0: I'm Aaron Armstrong. I'm Pete Moran. And we love to watch. We love to watch. Should have never left the Great Lakes. I just don't feel safe around this guy. Can
1: we call the police? <laughs> <laughs> he great. He's so great. Um, I, I paid more attention this time around just because I, like, I had seen him on. Well, I guess I had, I'd watched all Joe Pera. He's on Joe Pera. Um, he's really good. In Joe his, He's so good in Joe Pera. It's our first week of February 2021 for We Love to Watch, our movie podcast. We pick a theme. We do movies over the course of uh of over the course of the month around that theme and if we remember we compare and contrast and um much like hollywood we are following our sequel with another sequel we did another we did a winter's lovecraft which was a sequel to our previous winter's lovecraft which was a sequel to our or a, a, a remake <laughs> reimagining of our summer of lovecraft uh in 2018 holy shit 2019 yeah it was like it was like snow white and the huntsman yeah and exactly <laughs> chris hemsworth was there it was great um and now we're doing another uh groundhog day month, which feels more thematically appropriate that we're back to every February doing a Groundhog Day month. Uh, We thought about doing another episode on the movie Groundhog Day, but unfortunately there's a lot of time loop movies that we wanted to get to, so you are saved. Uh, Any of the stunts we pulled last year that may have lost us, uh, audience share. Hey, Aaron. Wake up. Open your eyes. (laughs) That's not a time loop But I wanted to whisper Movie lines <laughs> <laughs> What's something You're That talking. Kevin Costner says in, in Dances with Wolves Oh I didn't know They knew the Macarena <laughs> <laughs> Keep stepping on my fucking feet Oh. <laughs> um, Can you guys be bipedal for this number? Because, (laughs) like, I get it's called the Foxtrot, but you're a fucking wolf. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, Aaron, what are we... I think, hold on. I think we may have stumbled into something of a fertile crescent. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what Kevin Costner says to the wolves that he's dancing with in the in the 1990 Academy Award winning film <laughs> "Dances with Wolves," but yeah,
0: yeah, featuring so. the hit song, uh, Academy Award winning song "Wet Ass Wolfie."
1: Uh, yeah. This wah. reference
0: is going to age. Oh, <laughs> great.
1: Yeah, it's my favorite. Is the song "Wah Wah." Uh, no, that's a messing it, with it's... some wet ass wolfies. Uh, <laughs> because because Kevin Costner cried all over him because it's such a sad movie. I think mm-hmm. I haven't seen it since 1990, and I watched it with my dad. Um, I have vague memories of a butt. I think it was Kevin Costner's. Um, we might pray. Kevin Costner liked to show his butt movies. He I did. remember that. Was, didn't he have like uh, some Waterworld butt, or was that uh, the co-star of Waterworld? Are you kidding me? I mean, I haven't seen Waterworld in twenty years, but
0: there has to be a shot Can of I him pulling up his his Waterworld trunks. I assume everyone in Waterworld is wearing swim trunks, right?
1: Yeah, Bahama Mamas is what uh, they oh, call God. their their gangs. We gotta do Waterworld. You haven't seen it in twenty years.
0: I've seen. Can't... I've actually probably seen the Waterworld ride twice since I've seen the movie
1: great which i don't um, think exists anymore <laughs> I, I i'm almost sure it doesn't uh yeah so we're, we we're doing another groundhog day month mainly because one thing that kept coming up while we were doing Groundhog Day and the movies that we did last February is we kept saying, here's some other movies we considered and kind of talking about like how this trope was eminently watchable and that a lot of the movies that use this kind of time loop mechanic as a way to tell a story that, uh, that were almost, almost uniformly like, good at the very least to great um because it is and we talked a lot about like how well that mechanic just kind of holds up as a storytelling narrative um, and you know it's satisfying it's it's the ability of watching your your protagonist like get good in a video game right like they're just doing the same thing over and over there's there's some comfort in those repeated patterns I think uh, we, we're not going to get into all that again because we spent so much time on it last month but it's all there if you want to listen so part of the impetus for this is that and then also the movie that we're covering today which is a recent film 2020's Palm Springs when we had initially plotted out that time loop movie Palm Springs, what, Palm Springs was at I think Sundance, or something like months and months before, and we had heard some great buzz coming out of that uh, because we're really like hip to what comes out of film festivals. We're like people, people call us the big the big crits, as we call them mm-hmm. we don't call them critics because we're friends, and you shorten your friend's name, so the names we say the crits, and they call us, and they're like here's the here's the lowdown on Palm Springs. It's great.
0: A good movie go watch <laughs> yeah can. palm springs eternal um we we heard that'd be a great sequel title.
1: palm springs eternal yeah. yeah great great name
0: um but yeah we, we we keep our nose to the ground and our ears to the skies so we can hear about the new hot films hot hulu originals that everyone's talking about um what what was your favorite part of the movie mine was that the uh hulu logo stayed in the corner of the screen the entire viewing time <laughs>
1: Uh, I don't think it did that for me. Do you? Do you not have Hulu Premium or whatever? I do. Oh well, maybe your TV got something burned into it a long time ago, and you didn't notice.
0: <laughs> My brother made that exact same joke. He was like, uh, he was like, isn't this? He's like, maybe you watched
1: Handmaid's Tale for too many hours in a row. Yeah, um, you're like, oh, even Netflix now's got the Hulu label. <laughs> <laughs> These guys know how to market. But uh, Peter and I are really excited about it. We're yes. I think uh, because we really like. Um, Andy Samberg and Lonely Island. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that here at the Onsat. So we were like, much like um, last month where it kind of came about because we really wanted to figure out how to get the Color of space or color Out of Space, Nicolas Cage movie into the show. And it just came out too late from when we recorded those episodes. Uh, I think Palm Springs is kind of why this month, this, this sequel month exists, that we were excited for it and then we saw it. And spoilers for a somewhat recent movie, which is going to happen throughout this podcast. So here's your chance to jump off and go watch it. It's only 90 minutes. It's on Hulu. Um, I think it's under 90. I think it's like 80 it's really, yeah. Well, yeah, it's 90 with credits, so yeah. it's it's definitely under 90. Is one thing that we talked about is uh, with Groundhog Day that there was two initial things that were baked into the script um that harold Ramos promised the writer he was going to use and and one of them got thrown out um but he oh the writer always thought they were fundamental to telling this story which was um that w- the first one which they left in which is you never find out the cause of it you never know what started it um it's never no one ever comes out and just explains here's why you're in this time loop uh and then two which most which i'm going to pause there that has become a trope of the genre right like happy uh happy death day is probably the only one in its sequel that really goes to like oh here's why this happened um which is what makes happy death day two so interesting especially comparatively like most movies don't really explain it even palm springs uh, kind of describes what's occurring to them, but not the why or if there's a greater meeting or even, even kind of touches on how it exists outside of it. Most of them are just time loops that the character has to go through. The ones we're going to be talking about this month can are going to be a little bit like that. As well, like why does time crimes happen? Well, there's a time machine, but it's still super fucking weird. So the second one that they didn't include that they end up throwing out was that you open Groundhog Day and Bill Murray has been there for like ten thousand years, right? He already knows everything, and you as the audience start to figure out why he seems to know everything that's going to happen before it's going to happen. And it seemed to kind of mastered the day. Um, and then it slowly kind of reveals itself. And ultimately that was too confusing. They thought it would rob the audience of kind of letting someone have to deal with the concept of being a, of a time loop. And they cut that out. Palm Springs, which we didn't know at the time, um, did that. It started the movie with Andy Samberg's character, already in the time loop for thousands of years as far as we know um and then it doesn't rob you of getting to see that concept of getting stuck in the time loop by still having another character experiencing it for the first time with the guide of andy sandberg kind of walking them through the stages that he also went through uh you know eons ago um so, that was enough. So, it was, it's a great movie. We're going to talk about it. We're going to go through the plot in more detail. But, I, Peter, correct me if I'm wrong. I think that's why it was like, well, they finally did the thing that we kept saying. Why hasn't another time loop movie done? Yeah. And they did it. And I knew. I'm sure you did, too. Like, as I start watching this, we're two minutes into it. And I'm like, oh, fuck. I know exactly what they're doing. And I'm so into it.
0: Yeah, and this is a movie that weirdly enough like it sounds like a spoiler to pitch it as a Groundhog Day style movie, but this is a movie that benefits from that knowledge because it really liberates you when you first start watching yeah. the movie, you're like why is Andy Samberg acting so so strange right now? Like why is he so good at dancing. Why is he like so blase about everything? Like it actually helps if you're, I'm an Andy Sandberg guy. I wasn't always, we'll get into that. But um yeah. the, if you're not an Andy Sandberg guy, I think if you know it's a Groundhog Day movie, it kind of helps let him off the, the hook a little bit. The movie does some things to kind of let him off the hook for what would normally be, especially in 2020, um, not charming protagonist behavior. Like, Stuff that, like, it, you introduce us to uh, a, a shitbird, sad, depressed guy who clearly has some amount of money, or like he's party, he parties with people with money a lot. Um, and he's just like shitting all over someone's special day. And then, uh, he, he's acting I don't know if he's he does that at the
1: beginning. He I mean, he's kind first, of shitting over his girlfriend's reaction to the, the
0: first run. Reaction. He's like wearing his, uh, Oh yeah, he's, he's wearing a, uh, a a Hawaiian shirt and getting drunk all day through the wedding, and like he interrupts the wedding to give a big speech, and it ends up being a, good a good speech, speech but he's kind of doing it just to get in the yeah. the pants of uh, the the love interest in the movie, um, and he's and he's being he's asking people rude questions, he's being weird, like he's really treating this whole. Thing, like a meaningless nihilistic playground and I think the fact that if you know it's a time loop movie it kind of helps let him off the hook a little bit if you don't like Andy Samberg
1: yeah and he I don't, I don't feel like if you, do, if you don't like Andy Samberg he plays a tone down Andy Samberg because the whole thing is like his character has become has had to he like becomes zen with his situation he's like post depression like, <laughs> he's like he's like po- yeah he's like I'm never gonna feel eternal, real joy nothing. again and yeah. uh that's fine yeah, so it made sense, like, the, the the fact that they were doing this thing where we're going to start the movie with our main protagonist already in the time loop, and you start to figure it out. Um, it felt like, well, we have to do this now because – this was the thing that we kept saying last month we wanted a movie to try they did try it it was so i think it was sold for a record at sundance where it was sold for like 22.5 million dollars yeah the budget of this movie is five million uh and it was supposed to be released uh 20 summer of 2020 to theaters if you've been around lately you may notice that there wasn't much of a summer of 2020 blockbuster movie season um Unlike some movies, this one didn't get delayed because I think Hulu bought it and had always planned to release it in theaters, uh, which they probably could have made good money on. Like even you know, you figure a five million dollar budget, they pay twenty million. Like worst case, this thing probably makes fifty to sixty. and you know they're doing relatively good. Uh, pre, like, a reason for people to subscribe to Hulu. But I guess they kind of figured, like, fuck it. There's going to be so many movies stacking up to get released. Our 90-minute, like, modest comedy is going to, you know, when are we going to find a time to slot that in again? And the um, numbers for
0: this is so go- are so goofy. And, like, they're still trying to figure out how metrics work for this. That's why Netflix yeah. is so cagey about their numbers is they're like – a million zillion people watch The Old Guard, and you're like, okay, so they're saying it's a hit. Whatever numbers they provide have absolutely no value, but they're saying it's a hit, which does have value, because that means they might make more of them, or that might mean that the the creator uh, gets to, uh, you know, the director or or Charlize Theron gets to, you know, make more projects that they like. Um, But, like, with something like this, it's literally, like, the goal is not... Uh, number of signups necessarily the goal is like weird because it's like did when did enough people watch this movie and then not cancel their hulu account for a month like the metrics get very complicated with streaming because it's not just like we want as many watches as we we can because like if if people are signing up and immediately going and revolving out the door like those watches don't have value cuz you got 1 month out of them instead of years out of
1: them yeah and um and it was great cuz you know you some studios did realize uh, last year um especially that like hey people don't have movies to all talk about on twitter or in other and facebook and stuff like that so let's release some of them that don't make sense to hold on to like i get why you wouldn't want to release the new bond movie or wonder woman 1984 something that's going to make 500 million dollars at the box office like you're you're going to suffer releasing that on on video on demand like i wish they would anyways cuz why the fuck not at this point but um Regardless, like, you're, you, it it is true that you're going to have less of a box office. Um, but this one, I I can see a way to be like, you know, holding on to this one for three years doesn't make any fucking sense. Like, let's give people a, a something to talk about. Let's uh, give people something to watch on Hulu in a competitive uh, streaming situation. But Selling a rom-com
0: right now uh, to a major studio is very tough. And, like... Weirdly enough, streaming is now kind of the home to... Home for rom-coms, yeah. Home for rom-coms. Yeah. We talked about that during the Harry Met Sally month, how like rom-coms don't really exist in a theatrical
1: is, sort of... What is the Harry Met Sally month? Or, excuse me, the... Um, a movie we haven't covered on the show.
0: <laughs> in the uh, Meg Ryan, Tom Hanks oh, month, yeah. we talked extensively about the sort of, not quite death of the rom-com, but like the recontextualization of the rom-com, yep. and now if you, if you watch a good rom-com, like Lovebirds or whatever, you probably watched it on Netflix.
1: Yeah, uh well that's where a lot of like the to all the boys I loved before and like some of those it seems like they all kind of go there. I guess like the one exception that would be like crazy rich Asians like was a huge was a huge hit.
0: Yeah, um, but that was almost like marketed as a, an award season thing, which is uh you know arguably a a, a different sort of beast, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, so uh, it made sense for us to come back and do this this movie, which we had wanted to kind of do last February. And also, as we said many times, there was a few in our bag that we kind of like – this was – I think last February, this was probably the hardest month to pick. Um, when we've had this hard of decisions in the past, we just end up doing double months uh, <laughs> um, like we did with screen makes and Lovecraft adaptations. <laughs> and yeah. But this – But this one was tough. And so this month, not only we're going to kick it off with Palm Springs because it makes sense to kick it off with the one that this is the reason we're doing a sequel month so close to the last one. But then we're following up with some movies that we talked a lot about. We're going to do um, Source Code and Time Crimes, uh, two movies that uh, got a lot of airtime from us as almost picks last year. And then uh, we're doing a double feature to end the month, which uh, we – I don't – like we didn't – this was not something I think we talked about at all last year. But it is um, uh, the other two movies from uh, the directors of the movie Spring, which we did in our uh, Love and Monsters February. It was three or so years ago. Um, And that is Resolution and the Endless, which uh, is not only a time loop movie, but is a time loop movie that kind of goes across – two separate movies so uh we'll we'll, we'll stop it there but uh because i don't want to reveal everything that's going on in those movies <laughs> and it's but, also uh, sort of a
0: cosmic horror thing so we're gonna, yeah we're gonna get a, even even more lovecraft into 2021 which is fun
1: yeah so we're m- both movies we love by filmmakers that we love uh so excited to wrap up the month there but yeah we're on palm springs I think the way that this makes sense to start, Peter, is to talk about Lonely Island because we we haven't done a Lonely Island movie, which there's now a lot of actually, or at least like and when I say Lonely Island movie, I just mean that like the three people, Akiva, Yarma and Andy are involved in some capacity or has a sense of their sensibility. So that can mean something like this that is produced by them and uh produced by the three of them as well as starring one of them it can mean something like a uh, hot rod or pop star where they had a lot more like active like those are like more lonely island lonely island movies but i also would count stuff like brigsby bear and you know things like that where they uh a friend of they like they produced it they helped write the story and a few other things like they are just very like prolific um and while Andy Samberg is the most uh, probably recognizable to the average person, um, I I just I really am a big fan of what they've been doing. I mentioned this a little bit uh, in our twenty nine or best of twenty nineteen episode at the beginning of January when I had uh, a movie that's very much a Lonely Island movie uh, in the top ten, but um, that that like they're, they just are so interesting in that like as a group their sensibilities are all about like the uh the parody of 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 masculine of the kind the concept of like masculinity in 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 this day and age like that that idea that like there is this i that 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 masculinity is a farce and a joke and they and but they but a lot of their material like hot rod or pop stars this idea around um what it means to be a man quote unquote, based on our kind of like toxic culture and then kind of helping to redefine like the emptiness and the bullshitness of that concept, as well as their other big topic, which is fame, Um, which is the idea of the the emptiness and the toxicity of fame uh, done for comedies. Uh, And uh, I think pop star, uh, hot rod uh uh definitely fall into that category. But then I, I think a lot of their other non-Lonely Island work that has like Lonely Island components like a McGruber or like uh like this just has like a I don't know like what would you call this comic sensibility? Like it's not in this in this particular context, like it's not parody. Um but it it has something that just makes me laugh so goddamn hard. It's like and a I think vulgar
0: all- clicheist where like they're they're like so willing to revel in the cliche, but also like Make a f- an absolutely filthy inversion of the cliche. Like a second later, um, yeah. Like that's how that's how I think of Hot Rod, Hot Rod, where Hot Rod will be incredibly sincere for like a moment, and then a second later, completely clown on itself for being sincere. But like it still has the sincere moment. But it's still so sincere. it still doesn't feel like a, an outright parody. Where like there's no moment in Young Frankenstein where you're like, I I feel your 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 struggle your struggles here but there are or yeah i hope
1: i hope gene wilder and terry gar end up together yeah
0: that's not an airplane that's not young frankenstein whatever but there are moments like that in hot rod little small moments where you feel for the characters um and like it's not quite the stepbrothers thing where it's like a a sort of pure absurdism (laughs) like there's 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 moments where they want you to jubilantly have fun like there's the there's a a musical sequence towards the end of pop star where the the gang is kind of back together um and that's supposed to be like an outright like party in your brain moment where you're like oh shit this feels really good like this was a little bit of
1: catharsis i didn't expect this movie to make me feel that way the the general like humanism they have for their characters like I think is is what separates them. Like I think the 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 other big two thousands like movie comedy aesthetic, the the Adam McKee, Will Ferrell thing is like the perfect the perfect analog. Because uh, there's a lot of that I like, which you know I like those movies, but I don't think like there's not a humanization of Ron Burgundy. There's just a you make him a little less shitty. He gets the girl. And we can tell jokes and, and do whatever like I do feel like all of Lonely Islands um, and Lonely Island adjacent products treats their characters with a sense of like respect and humanism. Like even MacGruber, um, uh which I think is the closest to not meeting this requirement, I'm saying like, you know, there is like uh when him and Kristen Wiig end up together at the end after, like, you kind of realize, like, well, this guy's had his wife killed <laughs> by Val Kilmer and, like, a lot of other things. Like, you do see him as, like, a, just a huge, sad fuck-up who's had everything taken from Like, there are those moments where you feel true empathy for MacGruber, which I think just tells you how locked into that idea of, like, uh, people share a basic humanity that we want to... Um, that we want to include like you're never you're it's not that you're not laughing at the characters but you don't think of them as like uh, uh you know character archetypes like um you would in most like saturday night live adjacent stuff like i know talking about saturday night live movies and like uh about they they're just joke machines and like an empty soulless joke machines is like cliche but yeah like You know the ladies' man or a knight, the Roxbury. Those characters and that sensibility exists to, to laugh at them and to see how many funny jokes they can say. I think for the most part that's true. Of like Step Brothers does have some, some, uh, some humanizing moments, mainly because John C. Riley and Will Ferrell are good actors, but it's mainly there to just make jokes about the whole thing and i I don't think that's always true of their stuff so when they do pivot to stuff like this that isn't like a laugh out loud comedy like a pop star or a hot rod it's not trying to be oh yeah this is a um, huge departure yeah, it it does still feel of a piece with those other works. Brigsby Bear is the best example, which I think we're covering next month or April. We haven't fully finalized what next month is, but, um, but like, which was both Peter and mine's one of our favorite movies of 2018 or 2017, whichever year it came out. Um, but like even though that is like – that that actually is like where they strip out most of the comedy and just leave the humanizing sincerity <laughs> and like and that idea of kind of fucked up goofy people making real connections with each other and like it kind of makes like it, Brigsby Bear and Popstar I think actually share a lot of DNA even though uh, if you were to watch both of them, it would feel like two ends of a spectrum like – at the end of the day, their characters are people, and you you root for them as like you as uh, as movies make you root for people, like the Roger Ebert thing. They're empathy machines, and when done well, even the goofiest of goofiest characters can can uh, can endure that level of, of empathy.
0: It was the thing that I wasn't connecting with on early Lonely Island stuff. So I guess we'll put this here. I did. I thought Andy Sandberg was very fucking annoying for a period of time. And I didn't like, I, d- I don't like a lot of the Lonely Island stuff. It, it felt like stuff that like uh, I had shoved in my face by uh, kids I didn't like in high school. And kids I did like, but you know, like kids go, like, oh my God, do you see Dick in the Box? They did a fourth Dick in the Box this weekend. Do you see that? And I'd be like, yeah, okay. And then i watch it online and be like, yeah, it's, it, yeah, I guess, like, a big celebrity was on SNL. Like, it didn't click the way with me. I was kind of burned out. Like, it didn't click with me the way that, like, it was clicking with everyone else. And sort of setting him up as, like, the next Adam Sandler certainly did not fucking help. Um, especially when they did a movie together, That's My Boy, which is, like, a, a reprehensible movie. Uh, it's a aw- awful movie. I-, I didn't see that. Were they involved besides Andy Samberg being in it? No. It's it's just connected to the sort of SNL world thing where like I just didn't like his whole persona at that era. Um, and like I, I just thought he was really annoying. And then when a friend – and then I liked Hot Rod, which I actually saw in theaters. But I thought like, oh, well, this is just – you know, he got a good script. Um, and then uh, my friend Ryan, who's been on the show, we were mm-hmm. in uh, Canada – and uh brooklyn 99 was forever for whatever reason on canadian netflix and it was one of those things where you know you hike all day you drink a bunch of beer and then it's like well what do you do you watch tv and we watched like seasons of brooklyn 99 over the course of like a, a week-long hiking trip i like fell in love with them and connecting back to what you were saying uh it's because brooklyn 99 is a deeply humanizing show to literally everyone involved um Ex- yeah, minus a few bad cops, and like that's a show that I'm having. I have a really hard time like placing with my political beliefs. Um, yeah, the my a cab lefty political beliefs. Uh, I have a hard time placing that uh, because Brooklyn Nine Nine. What I love about Brooklyn Nine Nine isn't present in a lot of my even my favorite comedies. Like the, there's a humanism and there's yeah. a understanding to every moment, and like. There are maybe in like eight seasons or whatever, I can think of maybe like three moments in the whole show where I'm like, oh, that's a fat joke. They shouldn't have made that joke. Like (laughs) there's like there's
1: not there's not a whole lot. Well, they tend to to learn pretty well, too. Like that was the whole first season. Who are the two characters? I'm not all the way caught up. And so I forget. Rosa and Charles and Charles and Charles and Charles. And it's just It it was the it was the it was the classic like. Uh, a weird, sad guy likes um the pretty strong assertive woman, and she doesn't like him, and like just want to be friends. And he like refuses to hear that. Which most sitcoms, unfortunately, like is like eventually that dude gets the Either gets, gets the, the girl, girl
0: or the creepy pursuit lasts forever. Like I'm pretty yeah. sure. Perfect Strangers has two other neighbors that just sexually pursue the two women that Balky and whoever Balky's friend are. Oh, yeah, are. I
1: think you're right. I mean, it's the Screech and Lisa Turtle thing, right? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, sh- more, than, more shows than Shows
0: either keep that tension or they resolve it by having the two, the unlikely couple get together and it's, you know, in your brain you're going like, all, all the red flags, just like a red flag factory.
1: <laughs> the show was roundly criticized for that like, through that plot line that's putting Rose in a bad, like, as it character like it's it's detracting from her character it's putting her in a bad decision it makes Charles like and everyone's like acceptance of Charles like creepy pursuit when he's been told no so many times and what do they do they fucking immediately drop it in season 2 and he apologizes to the character for that behavior like owns it in like a real way doesn't make excuses for it and it's like hey uh why can't more shows do that like why why is MacGragen doubling down on like you know uh no, all uh, all uh, everyone's just mad at me because I have all this money in there. I everyone says Simpsons is offensive. George w. B- George H. W. Bush said Simpsons is bad, so sorry. Hank Azarius is, is is gonna continue to voice all of our people of color. Yeah. Like like that kind of like defiance and um in like any criticism like all criticism of him. And his art is equally invalid, which is like what so many of – so many people, Peter and I have talked on the show that we've liked where that ultimately like turns us off where you realize like they just can't separate like like bullshit criticism – with valid criticism and understand like the valid criticism is a lot of times there because, hey, this thing that a lot of people love, you're being shitty about something or treating someone bad. And and I know like Brooklyn Nine-Nine is not – is Lonely Island adjacent as opposed to like a Lonely Island product but – Yeah, everyone listened and everyone got better and like – And it's his vehicle and he's very responsive to fans and
0: he's been the one saying like the show is basically on hiatus until we can figure out how to proceed forward with, uh, you know, in a post uh, Black Lives Matter world, right? Like – yeah. Like in a post uh, protests of 2021. And,
1: and Michael Schur, who is who also ruled yeah. in general yeah so.
0: and he's someone who like would try he would take some criticism on how Parks and Rec was handling certain characters and he'd be like yeah. and he'd be like all right I'm gonna flip this this dynamic on its head but I don't want to get into that right now um, those two together I think at
1: least you know they they definitely don't get everything right yeah they, they listen and or I think, they try to listen.
0: and I think the thing that Andy Samberg got um. through Brooklyn Nine-Nine at least for me um, was he was no longer this hyper silly clown and now he was this like uh, actual actor who could balance a comedic moment on a dime and like he could take A kind of awkward comedic moment and make me both feel his awkwardness but also laugh yeah he he's like a a very gifted actor and the show made me love him as an actor and look forward to everything that he does and like really like enjoy his his energy and like uh i i I, that sort of like humanism through humanism in shitty situations is like what i i like about like (laughs) comedy like i ultimately at the end of the day this sounds this sounds uh it may be a little sad but at the end of the day like i end up watching comedy shows for a sense of comfort like yeah i watch yeah I, i'll watch some shows. i mean no
1: one sits and laughs hysterically at brooklyn 99 like yeah. i do laugh but you, you're not sitting there like watching fucking like I'm trying to think of something that makes me laugh. Oh, like the first episode of Nathan for you that you've ever seen. Like, what is this? yes and like, Nathan for you is a yeah. show
0: where, like, I I I don't know why, but I've like watched many episodes multiple times, and every time I I feel deeply uncomfortable. Like, that is not a <laughs> comfort show. That is a show that's deeply yeah. challenging to me. Um, I watch Brooklyn 99 when I've had a very anxious week, and I need to like yeah see these people again and see people re- react to shitty situations in the world by trying to be, do their best. Um, and yes, all cops. Are bad um yeah um yeah they live in a, a that's
1: uh, no but it, but it's true like they've kind of recognized that like their show exists in a fantasy world where good cops can exist like most movies and tv um it, but they like live in the obama world where we thought that we could fix institutions from the
0: inside and then we found out later that that was a lie uh you have to tear
1: down most of these institutions yeah um and so like i i get it like it, it makes sense that like well, even though it it exists in a fantasy world where that that's that that is the case, like are we what kind of damage do you do by creating this like concept which which there's been so many great essays written uh over the last year around like hey, all those cop shows you love they're actually like bad for you like that doesn't mean they're bad shows it means that they're like the the way police have been portrayed overall. For X amount, you know, for a 100 years is damaging to the way our culture talks about police, which lines up very well with something Peter said since the show's fucking started that, like, uh, it's true that, like, watching a violent movie doesn't make you shoot up your school. That's bullshit. But the idea that, like, the movies and TV and the media we consume doesn't have a societal effect uh, and sometimes a personal effect in the way you view the world. Is uh is is not is true? Like it has an effect. So let's really quickly go through some of the basically all the things that are like lonely i like hashtag lonely island made these because I just want to like underline that these are the, some of my favorite things basically of the last twenty years. So we have hot rod, we have McGruber, we have the watch which just Akiva directed, which got buried, and I've I've heard. Uh oh no yeah I've heard Akiva say it taught him to not take studio directing jobs like it's very bad he, it's it's very bad but he, it's one of those like he learned a lesson and that I think he thought he was making better. a Ghostbusters movie and it
0: from the outset it's, it looked like a Ghostbusters movie except for with aliens instead of ghosts and it is uh it has yeah. nobody has any chemistry it's a very it's like the least Lonely Island movie because all I think about with Lonely Island is like shoving a bunch of weird actors together and they like make magic. Yeah. Uh, th- that movie takes a bunch of very gifted, skilled comedic actors. And for some reason, they it doesn't even look like they're shooting they, the same movie.
1: <laughs> no. Well, they weren't, right? Because he wanted to do this thing. The studio's like, you don't understand. This is an $80 million budget. It taught him not – like – and you look. There's not another, like, director for hire thing. Like, you realize that's unsatisfying. I, I didn't have any fun doing that. Um, I didn't – like, I would rather make stuff that I care about. And I think all three of them kind of agreed after that than – to try to get rich, making shit that you fucking hate as a, as an art product and hate as an experience. So, um, you know, I think they've definitely learned from that because there there's nothing else like the watch in their filmography. But anyways, um, we have pop star never stop never stopping. One of the best comedies uh, of the past twenty years. We are we are doing that on the show at some point. I cannot wait for that day. It is it is uh,
0: honestly like a modern Spinal Tap. Like it's uh, so break- good.
1: Yeah, Brigsby Bear, which is the movie, according to Letterboxd, I've watched the most. um, At least since I started logging stuff on Letterboxd. Even over kid stuff, uh, which tells you how much I watched that movie, and I love that movie, and I can't wait to talk about that. Uh, The Unauthorized Bash Brothers Experience, which is the movie I mentioned was on my top 10 from 2019. I have listened to the soundtrack and watched this 30-minute movie so many times. Um, Palm Springs... Uh, Which we're going to talk about today. And then I should mention the TV show they had the most involvement with, which I totally forgot about coming in to record this, Peter. But it's probably the TV show I've watched most uh, in the last year. I just keep watching it over and over and over again. Uh, And I now think in its phrases and memes. Do you know what I'm talking about off the top of my head? No. I think you should leave. Oh, yes, yes,
0: yes, yes. I didn't know that they were involved in that.
1: Yeah, they're writers and producers and directors. With- it
0: is it is one of the most like sh- show stopping skit intros I've ever seen. Like I- I- a skit comedy show that just like announces itself uh, immediately is consistently hilarious all the way through, and then uh, oh, like that's it, that's all we have right now. See you later. Like I've never seen a comedy show be that confident in its debut. It's crazy.
1: No, six episodes, like, it it reminds me a lot, like, Mr. Show, I had those, you know, those 30 episodes on DVD, would watch them over and over and over again, (sighs) Because I would just get that itch for a sketch or a aesthetic or a comedy aesthetic and it felt so unique and that's how I've been with like I really I've downloaded it to t- like all my devices so if I was on a plane I would be like I'm gonna throw in an episode of I think you should leave like I have watched all of those and they're you know, six twenty minute episodes at most so I, it's it's not that long but I've watched them so many times and I totally forgot they were involved in it but it's just it fits because uh, it's it's definitely Tim Robinson's Aesthetic combined with Lonely Island's aesthetic but Tim Robinson's whole Like I, you never watched Detroiters Right Pete? I watched a couple of episodes But that is a good example Of like A, a, a ridiculousness That's even more in some ways uh, it, It's like Not quite MacGruber level Parodies but like it, it's on the it's Operating on like the hot rod level Of reality Um for the most part but it still manages to fully humanize the characters and everyone's nice like th- th- the thing that I think Lonely Island figured out is that like it's not good to make your um your comedy leads um uh misanthropic uh misogynistic like race like accidental racist like we laugh at like will ferrell in um anchorman or talladega nights and we're laughing at like these like um These, like, parody approximations of, like, a misogynist, racist 70s news anchor or, like, a red state car driver who has all these, like, terrible opinions on everything. And, like, Lonely Island doesn't do that to its characters. Like, it always, you know, just kind of treats them with, like... Hey, we may do stupid things and freak out and like, but like, we're not racist. We respect women. We like, you know, and that's... That's a good point,
0: if I can interrupt, like... Yeah, that's yeah, interrupt. a really interrupt. good point. Like, Talladega Nights as an act of seething hatred for the South. Um, yeah. Like, a very, like, neoliberal act of seething hatred for the South, um, which doesn't mean it's not a funny movie at times, but like, uh, they, they looked it's at... It's me. He, Adam McKay looked at Bush voters or what he perceived as Bush voters. And he said, especially like Florida Bush voters being on TV, being like, I just don't trust Al Gore. And he turned that into no. uh, a, a, blew that stereotype up as like an act of revenge. Um, pop star does not hate Justin Bieber. It, it does. No. It has no seething hatred for Justin Bieber. It thinks that it thinks that like the modern pop landscape is insane and what and, and the, the, the creatures that it helps create like Justin Bieber are insane, but it doesn't have any seething hatred for for those people. It actually finds it finds a lot of sympathy for like people that yeah. have to live in this like bubble of, of weirdness where like your every failure is 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 blown up out of proportion and your every success is like just keeping you afloat.
1: Bash Brothers Experience doesn't hate Mark McGuire, or Jose Canseco. It has a ton of sympathy for them. Yeah. What 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 I think Lonely Island hates is, um, which I said at the onset of this. What they really hate is like toxic masculinity and fame, and they think both of those things are poison. And they make movies and songs um, about those two topics for the most part. Like that is that is where like their their. Um, animosity is directed to and you see that in most of the things like hot rod is someone grasping at fame mcgruber is someone grasping at you know being the the best uh secret agent bomb diffuser in the world um and trying to live up to the concept of the type of type of man who would be that person same with uh, andy sandberg is like wanting to be in Evil Knievel approximation to impress his like toxic father who doesn't respect him because he's not quote unquote man enough. Like, Pop Star Never Stop, Never Stopping is about like uh, Connor for real who is like who, whose fame has ruined his fucking life and his only friendships that matter, all while like trying to be like, um, you know, this, this hip version of a, of a, of a, what the media wants a male celebrity to be. And like you, like on, and I think that that's where the aesthetic matches with. I think you, I think you should leave, which is essentially a, a show about like people who (laughs) like, no one, it doesn't hate anyone. I think you should leave. It is like a very specific
0: baby. Oh, that world. Fuck that baby.
1: Fuck that baby. baby. Jarvis Travers or whatever, (laughs) Jarvis Harley, Jarvis Harley, yeah. Um, But what what it is, it's just a specific type of, like, repressed Midwestness that I recognize, which is, that's Tim Robbins' aesthetic. Like, how do I be, how do I basically be a Midwest version of, like, a man who, uh, Constantly ends up in situations because of his own ability- inability to communicate right and and that's how it announces on the show like the opening sketch is his like utter refusal to admit he's wrong in a situation that he is so clearly wrong and to the point that he will lose a job he will embarrass himself he will possibly hurt himself rather than like admit that he is has made a mistake and it's that's, a proof of concept for the whole show
0: and that sounds repetitive yeah. but it's not <laughs> it's not because that
1: is such a like a like I how many times do you go to bed at night Peter and just go like dude are these people lying to themselves or do they know Like, the amount of people in this country that constantly you're like, why do they keep doubling down? Like, how many debates have you had about politics or something else where it's just like, you can't believe that. Like, you know that's not true, but why? And, like, I think Tim Robinson um, in both I Think You Should Leave and Detroiters has, like, tapped into that. And I think Lonely Island's aesthetic of, like, humanizing that idea of – a culture that makes you think you're supposed to behave a certain way. And the comedy that ensues as a result of that, um, has like those two things are just a perfect match that I never would have guessed on paper.
0: Yeah, exactly. And like, if you don't mind, um, I'd like to I'd like to sort of transition to what this movie is doing and talk about uh, Kristen Bellotti before we yeah. we get we transfer over. Um, so what this movie is doing is at first it just seems like it's a zany fun comedy that's playing with the concept in a more with a bit more of like a modern comedy sensibility where like Bill Murray's comic sensibility is yeah. is very much of a different misanthropic. Generation. I'm not saying yeah. it's not funny anymore. It's very funny. I watch Ghostbusters at least once or twice a year now. Um, still, still
1: my favorite movie. I used to watch we're it four times about, a year, but we're going to talk about what a fucking weight that is around my neck. But I don't know what else to say. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh f- But honestly, fuck anyone that judges you based off your your favorite movie.
1: Like, no, I know, but like it, it, became like a. It turned into one of those things that like it's like saying like Raiders is your favorite. It's like yeah, Ghostbusters. I loved it as a kid. It I is a
0: very it. like basic. Ma- now basic, now like, it's now it's become
1: a culture yes. war movie, and like I think it's um,
0: I think it's done. I think the culture war is done. I think people just. got mad at Bill Murray
1: for a little bit. Oh, I don't mean that. I mean, like, the toxic reaction of, like, fandom to... Oh,
0: yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: Like, it, it became a thing where, like, I had to spend a year where people just went... You know, Ghostbusters isn't even that fucking good. I don't know why all these people like just people just shitting on my, my, which is fine. No one needs to like it as much as I do. It's fine. And Ghostbusters 2016 is also on that top ten letterbox, which I've shown it to my daughter. I fucking love that movie. Yeah. That movie's great. It's a movie that needs um, to exist. But like, it, like it definitely revealed the toxic underbelly of like, just I mean, it's it's fandom in general. Like, it's dudes who like shit and they're garbage. And but like yeah so as a result Ghostbusters became this like saying that you like Ghostbusters is like but like not like not like angry video game nerd likes Ghostbusters dude I just like the I like that they have proton packs it's very funny I like the idea I like
0: I like like a horror comedy that is gorgeous to look at and and is stacked with uh, charming low-key actors it's like a comforting movie to watch
1: Yeah. So, but uh, anyways, so but yeah, you're right. He is. It, it, it does make it seem like I mean, Bill Murray's whole thing is like I'm a misanthrope who sees humanity as less than me, which actually like is a genius thing for Lonely Island to comment on because that's like his whole persona. Groundhog Day is one of mo- his most famous roles, and that's the opposite of the way Lonely Island sees the world.
0: Yeah, and and the way that this movie begins is essentially our character Annie Sandberg is 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 like he's post-depression almost like he's he's in yeah. he's in the, the 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 throes of just accepting a sort of nihilism about himself but like he's incapable of dying so like uh and he's he admits that he's tried to commit suicide in kind of every way you can think of um and that's like part of the darkness at the core of the beginning of the movie but it also means that he has that bill murray thing where you're like oh, this guy, like, doesn't care what anybody... Th- the thing that people love about Ben Murray, like, he doesn't care what anybody thinks about him. He's doing these bits mostly to make himself laugh. Like, yeah. that's that's kind of the thing, right? So, uh, that th- you think, like, when the movie starts, you're like, oh, this is going to be a fun zippy 80-minute, you know, it'll be like Hot Rod. Like, yeah. it's going to be a bunch of funny comic set pieces, and then he's going to find a magic switch, and, th- and then the movie will be over. Um... But instead, it starts there, it doubles back, uh, as it doubles back and just makes itself like whole again by justifying yeah. its concept as it goes, but without yeah. stopping. Like, it's like, hey, you know why we did that 20 minutes ago? It's because of this. Anyways, uh, here's the new thing. Um, and it doesn't, it, it, it never pauses the movie for even a second. So, like, rewatches, we've talked about how all these Groundhog Day movies actually really reward rewatches because there's details you don't catch. Um, this is a movie that intimately rewards rewatches because when you watch it a second or a third time, that, that opening 20 minutes, you see how delicate the script writing is. Yeah. How they're establishing his depression in a way that you wouldn't catch on a first glance, even if you you already kind of know he's in the time loop. Um, yep. And uh, the fact that they pair – Andy, they give Andy Samberg well, – similar to Edge of Tomorrow. They give Andy Samberg a partner in crime. They give him Krista yeah. uh, uh Just – One of the most charming, underserved uh, actresses out there. And this is so
1: good. This is like the first main thing I saw her in because I famously in that I've said it to on this podcast and our listeners uh, probably consider me a famous person. I would (laughs) assume. Huge. (laughs) Sorry. I'm laughing at how fucking dumb I am. Um, I'm not
0: famous, but you're famous.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, my dad, he was on the radio. Well, your name also comes up first in the intro. Yeah, alphabetically. Well You get to say you get to come up with a tagline every week.
0: Yeah, you know? but at most I'm like the SNL announcer guy. That
1: guy's the best guy. He's been there most of the time. Until recently. <laughs> <laughs> Till Daryl Hannah took his job. Till Daryl Hannah did a bad job. <laughs> that guy can do a million voices except the one we needed the most.
0: Yeah. Um so Krista Malati, yes. Uh she she did not watch she she You didn't finish How I Met Your Mother.
1: Yeah, I didn't watch the last two seasons because I fucking gave, like was was an anger quit show for me. Also, like at a time that I learned, like you know, if you are hating every episode of a show, you could just stop watching. A great so lesson. I quit at the seventh episode, but I I did miss like even though I'm glad like that ending sounds like complete fucking bullshit. Uh, I did hear like part of the reason that everyone was so upset about the. Ending besides it just being bad is that they actually somehow introduced a mother who the audience absolutely fell in love with and were rooting for, which is tough when you've been a, a show for nine years and you introduced the mother in the last season. And uh, you know, seeing this movie, it's like, oh yeah, I can totally see why uh, why uh, an audience would fall in love with her because she is so goddamn good, and they don't they don't make her like. You, I think, Peter, you brought this up, which I agree with in, in Groundhog Day, like Andy Andy, um, uh, Andy, McDowell, because of the nature of the repeating day, you almost have to show her in like this this kind of perfect inhuman light. But on top of that, she also is just always playing second fiddle to whatever Bill Murray's doing because, because Bill Murray's in the time loop and has a lot more control and understanding of the situation. He, he has – he just – it's an unfair playing field that he's in compared to Andy McDowell. And Annie McDowell's character still works because she's like this ray of sunshine that, like, uh, has a pragmatic optimism in the way that she sees the world that still cuts through and makes her seem less like a a window dressing in the movie, but a fully fleshed out character. Where this movie, Peter has the advantage of letting uh, Kristen Milani's character not only... Um, take the movie over from andy sandberg many times but not have but be able to wrestle with her uh struggles and foibles and mistakes and all the other things that she needed to learn on the, on her way to get out of the time loop.
0: yes exactly and and i want to i want to pause real quickly because like yeah there's a reason people are just in love with her and want to see her succeed and and i think that's a big reason why this movie blew up a little bit is because people just she, she had bit parts on TV like in Soprano, she has a few episodes she's super funny in one single episode of 30 Rock, like funny enough that I I quote her character uh, all the time um, and and uh, she's <laughs> there's just this moment where Liz is like talking to her and she's like, and stop doing the sexy baby voice and she goes, I'm a very sexy baby and I say that all the time <laughs> uh, it's honestly like one of my favorite episodes of tv um but she's uh she's great um and she she's had a few bit parts but she's honestly i was watching this movie and the note i took is is this the first time chris simoati has been allowed to have fun because in wolf of wall street she's the beaten forgotten first wife of uh mr wolf uh whatever leo dicaprio's uh character's name is um and How I Met Your Mother, she, you were wise to stop watching How I Met Your Mother because so the last two seasons are fucking abysmal. Um. And, uh, yeah, I
1: mean, I read about them enough to know, like, to to high five myself as a good choice, Aaron.
0: Yeah, because it still frustrates me six years later because it was a show that like I was fairly fond of, and then oh, yeah. I realized in the last couple seasons I was like, I was like, oh, these these creators do not have anyone's <laughs> these creators do not have my
1: best interests at heart. Um, um, also, also a very good show that like constantly as I've as I've like remembered and rewatched a couple of the early episodes, like that. That doesn't uh that does not care about people's underlying humanity in any capacity.
0: There's a lot of there's a lot of gay jokes. There's a lot of um, but Barney it's just being a womanizer jokes. There's every. a lot of there's a lot of transphobic jokes, which is very yeah. weird for 2010 mm. or whatever. <laughs> like,
1: I mean, I mean, I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. Came out in 2008 and was a big hit, so I don't think we need to say anything. yeah. But
0: how I met your mother was like. Supposed to be our like cool hip comedy on CBS, and then it's, like it's
1: the neoliberal one where like it fooled me in the Obama era or the pre yeah era. yeah,
0: and like she's good in Fargo, but she doesn't get to have any any damn fun. Um, and like this is and I and like she's good in Venture Brothers, right? So I guess Venture Brothers maybe the first time that she's allowed to like do something do something fun, but like I've sc- not seen it on screen. This is the first time I've seen like Kristen Miladi playing a character that's roughly a human character uh, using her actual face and uh, actually like seeming like she's like she gets to be charming and be in a rom-com that like is deserving of her. And the fact that they wasted her in Him-Yim in in such a like grand fashion is something yeah. that like uh those creators can never be forgiven for. I'm very glad that how I met your father or whatever that the follow-up show fell apart cuz yeah. like that would just be one more way for the that, that those creators to to absolutely ruin me and then also waste a bunch of Greta Gerwig's time.
1: Yeah, I mean it it uh it definitely seems like a character they introduced only for her to be trampled over. To get to – like, part of – the reason I quit the show is because I was so fucking sick of Ted and Robin. Ted and like, Robin. By season seven. it's I was like, worst. this is toxic. Like, this is bad. Like, at that point, I was, like, just uncomfortable. Like, everything about it was bad. I – the only character I still liked on the show was Marshall. Everyone else I actively disliked, like especially Ted. So at that point I was like, well, why am I watching this? Because I no longer am rooting for, for Ted to find, you know, to meet the person that he loves or, or like, I just, I want him to die in a ditch. So, um, why am I, why am I watching this again? So I get to see Jason Segel. Like that's a worthy goal, but, um, I can, I can just watch forgetting Sarah Marshall over and over and over again. Um, but, yeah, like, as I think it's time to get to the movie because we're already kind of there and we're obviously excited to talk about it. But I'll say, like, I think part of the reason, like, these are the movies I keep returning to, and we've said it a few times now, it's worth underlying as we get into to this, especially as it relates to, um, I was about to call him J.D. Salinger, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that's not his name, Peter. Uh, yeah. It's not J.K. Uh, Rowling. It's not J. Jonah Jameson, which is why I think my brain went from that to You're
0: like it can't be anything with. It has a J, but
1: uh, yeah, I'm gonna get it. I uh, now all I'm thinking of is J.D. Salinger, and I again I know that's wrong. Yeah,
0: uh, is it J.D. Fucking from man. Scrubs? God damn it! Uh, <laughs> yeah, J.D. basketball team. <sighs> The third lead
1: in this movie. Mm-hmm. I know the name. I'm not helping you. <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna look it up. It's fine. Like I can get there. <laughs> I just wanted you to keep. J.K. Guessing. Simmons. God damn it! Uh, I, uh, I used I, to watch I, Oz. Like I I knew J.K. Simmons before before he was J. Jonah Jameson. Why does he like J name so much? Um, but yeah, like I think the the like the perfect like. What Lonely Island is about is that character. Like, because at first you're kind of like, oh, fuck, do I really need to see a guy that just murders someone throughout this movie? Like, they they introduce a serial killer as well as, like, two people in, in a, in a <laughs> sorry, in a, in a forced diode situation uh, being in a time loop. Now they have a serial killer. And the way that they, like, humanize him so that, like, my wife's first thing she said at the end of this movie is, like, they left him? like the fact that from 90 minutes you go from this like brutal psychopath to just a guy who's sad he can't see his kids grow up and like becomes friends and you're rooting for him to get out of the time loop too is like is what i think the lonely island's aesthetic is is like it, it it's not mean and has a kindness and i think one of the reasons why brigsby bear and You know, I'll probably say this again next month, but why these movies have become things I just watch over and over and over and over again, um, and this one now I've already watched two times in three months, and I'm sure I'll watch it again and again, it's because it like I need art and music that like uh, well, our music is art. I need art and movies and music that reminds me that, like, people in the world deserve a certain respect and, like, I want a level of humanity in it. And that's why, like, Peter, when turning that kind of Groundhog Day as their hat on its head is, like, m- so much of comedy is about meanness. So even though it doesn't mean I don't like um, Groundhog Day anymore either, like, one of the fair criticisms of Groundhog Day is, like, he just starts acting like Mother Teresa And it doesn't feel like realistic that two weeks from the groundhog day that he's going to keep acting like that because he's only acting like that within that day. And something that we're going to talk about with this movie is he's like they're they they do not associate like kindness or good with perfection, uh, which is something I think um, maybe maybe because they were shittier people (laughs) and never like um, examine their own. Uh, what they are doing wrong that I think eighties and nineties and two early 2000 movies, especially like equated perfection with kindness only. And that idea that like, you can be an imperfect person. Like Andy Samberg in this movie does not achieve enlightenment. He talks about like all the, th- he likes get drunk. He likes doing this. Um, and like the, there, there is the idea of being a good person who's trying and learning without being perfect all the time or like a saint. And I think that's something that Lonely Island gets right too. That like, um, that, that being, being human doesn't mean always getting everything right. Always saving the kid that falls from the tree. Always, Uh, deferring to you know the person who's uh uh bidding on you uh, for your piano prowess at the the state uh this the city uh carnival or whatever's going on the night the city party but it can just mean like oh i'm gonna listen to what this person has to say and like Take take their perception and make it a part of my life and and I I, you know I think that's why this movie and so much of the other work we talked about just holds up so well because it's like yeah that's what I need more of in reality so of course I'm going to return to these characters because this is what I want out of the world
0: yeah yeah that's a really good point and it also i think it helps justify what seems in first watch like a clunky thing which is the sci-fi mechanic um but it 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 uh it actually acts as a a, a sort of interesting philosophical foil, yeah. to what they which do which I'm in really excited day. to get into in the second because it's of this. it's something that on first watch I was like I like I, I I like this movie a lot I would love it if you know the end the third act wasn't uh so I think I used the word contrived or you know like oh interesting too plotty right and then when I watched in a second watch I was like you know but what's the alternative to that sci-fi plot and like how do you get How, how do you, you get the characters to an emotional point where, where they get without like some sort of grand mechanic where they break out of jail? (laughs) Um. And, like, I, I – uh, I, I, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it in the second half. But, like, yeah, well, that's something we'll get that, there, like, yeah. made me, you know, not to, to, to show my hand. But uh, I am a huge fan of this fucking movie. Me a- too. And yeah. uh, <laughs> it's 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 my – I'm not saying it's the best movie I've seen in 2020. But it's definitely my favorite
1: movie I've seen this year. And it's a movie that just grows last and grows year? in a way that – uh, Last year. Yeah. Um, <laughs> February 2021, Peter, as you know, if you looked at any calendars around here. <laughs> oh, oh, there we go. I'm looking at my wall calendar that I have because I
0: own a wall calendar and it says February 2021 at 2021, it's marked off the right amount of days to today's date. Um,
1: it's super weird that you um, actually like you, you bought that tractor pulleys wall calendar. Yeah. 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 Are specifically about like fulcrums and levers that move tractors through various scenery. Um, I, And the fact that you made, like, a COVID trip because you couldn't get that online. No. So that's why if you, as an audience member, try to find that online, you can't find it because it's only available in very certain stores. It's weird you went out to go buy the tractor pulleys catalog when there's a pandemic going on still, I assume. Worth the risk. All right. What can I do?
0: I like to think that, you know, I'd be hooked up to a ventilator sitting in my hospital room and I could just look at my tractor pulley calendar that says february of 2021 and say it was all worth it baby do you Is want to talk weird? about pulse that's break? the only month it says yeah yeah I, I would have to go out 11 more times to get the rest of the calendar yeah it's also weird
1: they release them up a, a page <laughs> at a time
0: yeah yeah well they you know they they don't want to be behind if they they release like a new tractor pulley um, yeah
1: it's like uh they call it dlc for the year <laughs> You want to get the match? <laughs> you got to pay the piper. January and February is base game. <laughs> <laughs> you want the all-access pass? Sure. We'll mail ya we'll mail mail June on June 15th.
0: Uh, I'm, 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 I'm sorry, kids. There's no Christmas this year because there's no money for December. Uh, uh, old man tractor jacked up the prices on the... <laughs>
1: Can't you just, like, add a Santa Claus hat on the tractor?
0: Ah, oh, you idiot! Doesn't work that way. That's an affront to God. You got eggs for brains, boy? Just like your old man. Oh, I'm gonna jump off a bridge. Yeah, let's talk
1: about fun Give me some alternate taglines. Once you see this movie, you're going to be palm sprung. Palm sprung. (laughs) It's Uh pretty good.
0: I feel like I've seen this movie before.
1: Uh, Yeah, well, the director did call it a sequel to a movie that doesn't exist. Yeah. No, I'm I'm saying that's uh, an alternate tagline. I feel like I've seen this movie before. Yeah, you have, Peter. Yeah. This is the
0: second time you've watched it. Yeah. You just said that earlier. Yeah, but like for a tagline, because like, you know, it reminds people of Groundhog Day and Sedge of Tomorrow. Yeah, you know what it reminds me of? What does it remind you of? Source Code. Source Code? What? That's crazy. Source Code. It does not remind me of Triangle. (laughs) Uh, No, not really. Um, They're both (laughs) hot movies. Like, I feel like I would be sweating a lot in both of them.
1: Well, not if you hang out at the pool, which I think is Andy Samberg's uh, cooling down option of choice. Yeah. Although he doesn't go in the pool unless he's being attacked. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, he's just by – he's pool adjacent. It's it's a part of the I, –
0: I didn't realize when I moved out here. I moved to San Diego three, uh, four years ago, I guess, at this point in February of 2021. Um, which it is. Which which is it is right now. Uh, I moved here about four years ago and I didn't realize when I was moving here that like one of the cool assets of that is that I'm like in love with the desert and you can just go out and see these like really rad desert communities and Palm Springs is like right near Joshua Tree and like Joshua Tree there's like amazing hiking it's actually where I proposed to my wife um, and, and I've been to Palm Springs before and like the experience I had basically was like you go to you go to your room you the ac is pumped down to like 65 degrees everywhere out there has like solar power so you don't have to feel guilty about it um and uh you basically like you get your beers together whatever you walk outside and you are hit with like a a a sheet of hot fucking air and then all of the pools are temperature controlled (laughs) so you just like Basically go from, like, hot bathwater air to, to like, you know, cooler, like, get your temperature down, like, uh pool water, and you, every resort is just like, yeah, whatever, you, we know you're gonna buy a case of beer in town and then bring it in, like, so just everybody is walking around like Andy Samberg is in this movie, like it would not the amount of drinking he does in this movie does not bat an eye would not raise an eye for literally anybody um, in Palm Springs because like it's essentially a vacation town for like L.A. folks and like Mm -hmm. people just go out there to like bake in the sun and get drunk and then uh, have really bad hangovers because they didn't drink enough water.
1: What if I've been to Mesa, Arizona a bunch? Sounds pretty similar. Hot as fuck. Drink beer all day. Uh, I used to have a corporate office there and was working, but I would drink beer when the day was over. Yeah. Hey, what happens in this movie?
0: Um, what happens in Palm Springs? So, uh, the uh, we're introduced to Niles, uh, who is in a sort of loveless relationship with his girlfriend. They are visiting, um, uh, Palm Springs to go to a uh, his girlfriend wedding.
1: Daphne, right?
0: Because of the movie, right?
1: that's the movie fraser because yeah. of the movie
0: Frasier. you've seen the movie fraser right oh yeah it's great yeah
1: uh, <laughs> um have you ever seen the pre- prequel cheers
0: <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i don't know like at first i was a little
1: different lead character it's kind of weird yeah it's, it's sort like, of like a spin-off where's where's fraser i watched for two years the long movie yeah yeah it's it's where's like Frasier? i would say uh <laughs> <laughs> um, but
0: yeah, so uh, Niles is there with his, his, his loveless relationship with his girlfriend. They're visiting a wedding. Um, they're sorry, they're visiting Palm Springs to go to a, a wedding. Uh, clo- I visit weddings. You don't stay the whole time. Yeah. You just like passing through. Yeah, you know, closing time. Uh, this movie actually has a killer soundtrack. While we're there, like crewing, oh, bin man,
1: it uh, like how fuck well let's get there because i want to talk about the ending song and how like i'm assuming peter you got like fucking chills and goosebumps i did and then i got maybe come in your pants a little bit too and
0: then like i always get chills whenever that song plays but also i get a little mad because it kind of like i've always had like harbor this never will happen fantasy of using it in a movie um and like that's I don't even really have aspirations to be a director. I just really want to use Kate Bush songs in movies. Um, but anyways, yeah. there's Grand Parsons, there's Leonard Cohen, like yeah. uh, there's John Cale K- or there's John Cale songs, like the 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 um the soundtrack is like basically like one of my like hangout playlists and it works so well. Um Um, the, uh, Niles is, uh, at at the sweating, he's being kind of like, uh, you know, a lush, a bit of like, uh, a bit irresponsible, like he's- A little
1: uppity, maybe jealous of his brother's thing.
0: Yeah. (laughs) God damn it, we're never getting through this. But he's never, he's never, uh... Uh, he's more of a Jungian. His brother is more of a Freudian. Like, it's a whole deal. Um, but no, uh, Niles, uh, played by Andy Sandberg. Uh, if-
1: oh, that's right. His uh, girlfriend's name is Maris. <laughs> yes. Stop. Unseen. Stop. <laughs> if you cover, if you cover, if you put your hand over <laughs> the TV whenever his girlfriend's on, Maris remains unseen throughout the movie. Stop. <laughs> um,. It would have been great if at the end, though, when he talks about his dog, he's like, I think his name is Eddie.
0: His dog's name in the movie is Fred. Uh,
1: which is, I guess, long for Freddy. Fred,
0: Fred. Fre- Frederick
1: and Edric. Frederick and Edric. Um, so- I'm going to leave the room. <laughs> you, can finish the you don't have to leave the room, but it would help. I'm going to unplug my
0: mic. Yeah, that'd be great. Oh, sorry. I didn't. I didn't mean you Hold could on. talk. Shh.
1: That was the noise of unplugging the mic. Don't ask me any questions.
0: Andy Samberg is good in the play? movie, and then he falls in love, and then the movie's over. So there you go.
1: Was that because was that of me?
0: Uh, yeah, I would say. <laughs> uh, Andy Samberg uh, is uh, Niles. Don't say a fucking word. I'm just laughing. You're
1: talking to me. Don't. My mic's off. You can't. No one can hear this. This is just my <sighs> inner monologue.
0: Andy Samberg meets Krista Malati at the wedding, who is also sort of a fuck up. Uh, she's the sister of the uh, bride and the maid of honor. And she is getting drunk at the wedding. She's like clearly not very happy. Um, and he sort of, you know, he sort of goes up to the, he sort of impresses with a cool dance and a cool speech, um the uh the sad girl at the wedding and sort of says like hey let's get out of here oh and also a key part that you need to know here is that uh Andy Samberg is not just like being like a silly man boy also his girlfriend who's unhappy with his sleeping with uh one of the um groomsmen the person who's yeah, officiant um yeah. so uh he's like he's like doubly like fuck this wedding <laughs> um and so he takes uh, Sarah, Kristen Malati's character, off into the into the desert to to smooch exclusively. Then all of a sudden, an arrow courses in and hits him, <laughs> and <laughs> and he's all of a sudden being chased by a uh, a uh, like a serial killer uh, J.K. Simmons type. And uh, so he runs off. Uh, J.K. Simmons goes into this magical cave. Uh, injured Andy Samberg also runs into the magic cave. And he tells Krista Malati, he tells Sarah, no, don't, don't come in here. Just like, don't, do not fucking come in here. Uh, She doesn't listen. Uh, She wakes up the next day and the movie shows its hand. Uh, This is a time loop movie. Andy Saver was already in the time loop. Uh, She enters the same time loop as him. Um, Though the... I don't really want to get into the math of this, but like arguably if she goes into the cave and resets her day and his day doesn't immediately end,
1: like, are they still at the same time? Well, I want to, I want to get into that a little bit. I don't really this movie care. (laughs) Well, but I do. So what I do find interesting is that because this is, I think one of the only, I think the only time loop movie that I can think of where two people are in the time loop or multiple people are in the time loop at the same time. It does have a lot to say about um, what, that means for other people, which no other time loop movie gives the time of day to. I do think the mechanics of this are at least interesting to talk about because it does posit like, and you're right, it it passes through that. It it doesn't ignore it though. Like the whole point of like the post credits tag with J.K. Simmons is like him encountering Andy Samberg in his time loop. So it's almost like the characters the, you know in another time loop movies like who cares what chris Elliott's experiencing in groundhog day not because it's not worth discussing but because it's just the movie doesn't care about it so you don't even i think think about it right the days resetting for them i guess too but now that you have the situation where like like i i am interested in talking about like what was the next day like for all the other characters like what day followed for them and then if j k. Simmons gets out, where does he anyways? we'll get there i, I do think it, the mechanics are
0: somewhat interesting. I just don't think that it's worth having the cinema sins like did did do these time loops line up style conversations because oh the... no i am not talking about that like yeah my, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, but
1: I do find it interesting with the way that they address the concept of well, if multiple people are in the loop, it does seem like they both wake up at the same time, but um andy like to answer your question, like Andy Sandberg's day can go longer for him. And then they still, like, reset back at the at the same point in time. So, in some ways, it's almost like a video game, right? Like, if you are playing a multiplayer game and your character dies and then you start a new level, both of your characters respawn at the same time, even if you were, like, in a holding tank or something. Yes. That was... Yes. Yeah.
0: The, the the concept is is what kind of elegantly laid out through at this point in the movie where he's like, I've been here for a long time. I don't even remember how long I've been here. There is a hint that it's been like that, it, that it's probably been thousands of years. I don't know if it's been thousands of years, but it has definitely been fucking decades. Right. Like he says, like, I think it's supposed to be
1: longer that like, I really do think like he is supposed to be The kind of, like, Bill Murray thing of... I think they took that idea. I think the director said as much of, like, oh, yeah, 10,000 years. I just think of that...
0: I just think anything over... Anything over, like, a human lifespan would uh, make you go fucking insane. Well,
1: but I think he did for... Like, when you see him with J.K. Simmons... Irrevocably
0: insane. Like, eventually, he'd just be drooling and he would murder his girlfriend every single morning and every single day. Sure,
1: but... but that is why he says, like, you either have to accept this or you'll go fucking insane.
0: Yeah. Anyways. I just, I just, yeah, I, I can't buy it over a certain period of time. But anyway, so, um, I, it kind of shows her the ropes, which is like an elegant way of having this movie get past the, uh, the kind of like, hey, we know that they're in a time loop. Like, do we have to spend the next 20 minutes explaining? Yeah, we have to explain, explain this for 20 minutes. He explains it really, really quickly by, first by trolling her, um, and then, also, playing off the fact that you're aware of this concept, um, he trolls yeah. her in a way that the audience understands, like, no, he's not the Antichrist. He he stands at the hill waiting for this earthquake uh-huh. moment to happen, and he says, I'm the Antichrist. Like, the movie is making fun of the fact that, like, he has a little bit of godhood here, but now, uh, now that she's here, once she learns the rules, like, she has equal godhood.
1: But it also, like, flips through all the Groundhog Day stuff, right? Like... She's like, is it karma? And he's like, trust me, you don't think I thought it's karma? Like, yeah, sure, I haven't I haven't gone through that. Go ahead, go do some karmic shit. It's not going to matter. And then goes through, like, the suicide thing. I'm going to keep killing myself and drive far away. And, like, like, it passes through all those things you as an audience, like, are aware of, have been triggers in uh, other time loop movies.
0: And it kind of uses her to... It kind of uses her as the audience surrogate for just a little bit, just long enough for us to say, OK, they're in this together and then but never in a way that it drags. Right. Because I think it's, no, like,
1: it, it, it's a matter of fact. I, I Yeah. Instead of the genius thing they do with her is like instead of introducing um, her to the trope of a time loop, which they do in like Groundhog Day, rightfully so and most other time loop movies. Instead, they're introducing you to why this time loop movie is not going to have the same rules and ending that other time loop movies have. So instead of introducing them to the trope of time loops, they're introducing you to why this movie isn't going to follow the same tropes that you're aware of from time loop movies.
0: Yeah, yeah. um, I, I, I like that it uses both like um, it's a sta- it's using a uh, groundhog day as a template. And then it, uh, breaks the, the right, the, the, um, the far end of the template, right? Like yep. it, uh, it essentially says like, oh, it's one of those, uh, infinite time loop things you might've heard about. <laughs> yeah. The fact that they establish that like doing a big selfless, selfless act does nothing, um, leads her down a path of, um, all right, well, I'm going to do something, I'm going to do some truly evil shit. And then they eventually have an argument uh, after they sort of go through this arc where... Their, they become friends and get to and hang They out become friends. They start around with the time. They start, people. you know, clowning on people in town, uh steal like doing, you know, the, the groundhog day shit, like they steal a plane instead of kill, stealing a car, right? Like they they do they do the sort of like antic stuff, but they do it in a more modernized sort of comedy sensibility, like them doing that like synchronized 80s style dance is like feels very much like a modernized sort of TikTok thing where you're like, it's just funny to see people with like perfectly precise moves being very silly.
1: But they still, and they still end it with like, what if at the end we flip off everyone and and knock over stuff and run out? Because let's end it in a... In a ridiculous way, you wouldn't end a TikTok dance because there would be consequences for that.
0: And also, you put so much work into that fucking dance, and you need to end it looking cool. And they want to. They, they would like. They might have done this dance like for a week in a row to perfect it. And this point, they're just like, it's it's for them. It's it's for their and their mutual enjoyment, which makes the movie less sad
1: than Groundhog Day. Um, yeah. Also worth saying that very quickly, she goes, "Well, what have you done?" And he talks about all the people he slept with. She pointedly asks, "Have you we ever slept together?" And he goes, "No, that was the first time we were making out." And oh, he says, um, he
0: says, uh, at first he says, uh, "I don't think so," but I've been, I don't, here I don't so, think so, but I've been here. He says, so "Yeah, I don't
1: remember." Yeah, which is clearly a lie.
0: Like he, he's 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 clearly made a circuit of. Um, of sleeping with her, which you wouldn't notice on first glance. You just assume yeah. like, hey, maybe later it'll come out that he remembers sleeping with her. But like, no, it's he's actively trying to conceal the fact that he was manipulating her into sex yet again, uh, in the first um, you know, the first sort of loop that we witness.
1: Yeah, and two really quick things. She then says, Well, we're never sleeping together now, because we're we're like work buddies. Like we're stuck together sleeping together will only complicate things so we're not doing that Uh, and then also something they set up from the second day when she wakes him up yelling what did you do to me or like yep it's a time loop and starts going to his room to wake him up the thing that sets up kind of geniusly for what needs to come later is in a very casual way it sets up that her she because it's when the day starts for them she woke up earlier on that day Which is extremely important. And the way they kind of just show that by having her start waking him up is so crucial to, like, the way they're able to explain how she can disappear later on.
0: Niles and Sarah fall in love uh, for real after doing all these fun adventures together. And it's very cute. Like, it turns in... It it, It does look like fun. It does the rom-com thing where it's like, these people do seem like a very great fit. They have... Amazing chemistry, like Amazing. some of the best rom-com chemistry I've seen in, in a long time, like in a movie. Yeah. Um, obviously, TV shows, I think, like have like dozens of hours to convince you that like Adam Scott and uh, and uh, Amy Poehler have great energy when you're like you're pretty apprehensive at first. <laughs> um, TV shows can do it over dozens of hours. Right. Uh, movies don't have very much time the moment they start talking to each other and cracking jokes with each other, like they're so engaged. She's making dumb jokes too. Like, she's not like this, like reserved. She's not this reserved character, you know, like in groundhog day, um, with Annie McDowell, who kind of is like sitting. Annie McDowell is a great character in the movie, but like for large chunks of the second half, she's just sitting,
1: waiting to be wowed. She's charmed by Bill Murray, as a and like in in the regards of like that kind of funny it's it's like uh, uh, something i've said for a long time that like uh movies and men in general like the way that our society has structured the concept of humor is that like is that if um For if a woman says she's looking for a great sense of humor, she's looking for someone that can make her laugh, someone who's funny. And when a man says it, it means that someone that will laugh at their jokes. And and movies, like, internalize that. Like, that's where, like, I think a lot of that comes from. It's like, oh, yeah, Bill Murray's the funny one. Like, they – she's charmed by him. She laughs at his antics. She laughs at his witticisms and stuff like that. But she doesn't participate back. And this movie clearly is having none of that.
0: Uh yeah yeah the movie is just like she needs to be part of the antics immediately like th- th- <laughs> you need to understand why these two would fall in love that they would both be game for this that she wouldn't just immediately crumble
1: into she's not her- a passive observer to her to his jokes yeah his sensibilities
0: yeah um but eventually after eventually she finds out when they're mad at each other because uh, like I was I was talking about she starts to figure out she gets very upset about the fact that well, they sleep together they sleep together. And then she starts. She wakes up after having that moment of like real connection, and we're shown that the reason she's so upset every morning when she wakes up and has to like fight that back, uh, and she, why she's more eager and why to get she out, of here out, yeah, is that she isn't waking up in like you know um, in, in like a sort of a, unsatisfying relationship or whatever, like Andy Samberg, and he's grown numb to that. Uh, she's waking up, and she is, is she, basically in a in a hellish moment where her worst sin is being flashed in front of her where she slept with her sister's fiance the night before their wedding yeah um and she can there's nothing she can do about it she can repeat everything about the day but she always wakes up in this like the hellish hangover aftermath of a horrific sin um and that's why she's she's really soaking in it. And eventually she's like, shit, if nothing matters, why don't I go do this? And then she like, there's a moment where uh, J.K. Simmons comes back and she performs a, a horrible act where she crushes him with a car. And she's like, why does any of this matter? Uh, and they have an argument. And Andy Samberg has another sort of smaller revelation. But he's basically like. I've been a force of terror before. It doesn't feel good. It's not... Being scary is not fun. Like, yeah. basically implying... That again, had talking had about, mug- like... Had a moment mug- like, where he like, went around and probably massacred a bunch of people or did some horrifying yeah.
1: shit. Like, it's, it's like... Yeah, there's no satisfaction from being cruel. Like, uh, you know, to get back to what I was saying, like, kindness, at the very least. Like, even if it's a fleeting kindness. Um, again, not the kind of, like be Mother Teresa or be someone actually good or whatever else from Groundhog Day. But like, yeah, just treat people with a level of respect. And also
0: he his philosophy aligns with mine in in certain ways, which is uh, that the one of the one of the greatest arguments for not being evil is that you have to live with it. Yeah. Like you have to live with yourself at the end of the day. And I don't know if that's a Catholic guilt thing or whatever, but like at the end of the day, like you either have to become fully evil and, and find ways to justify that Or, um, you have to just swallow that evil. And she's like, I wake up every day with no ability to change. (laughs) The, the yeah. my my thing, uh, and she kind of once once she finds out that Andy Andy Saver basically says like oh I slept with you like a thousand times like I don't know if it's well, actually she, a thousand. she
1: says she says you're being weird because we slept together and he's like come on we slept together hundreds of times yeah
0: and, and like I don't know if it's actually hundreds or if it's li- if it's literally hundreds or if it's like he's just like he's lost count at this point he's
1: just like it's happened before it seems to have happened before a lot which makes sense to what you earlier said and I will say like. That like you know there, in case we don't get back to it and make and just based on time we might not. That felt like a like when he says that and and it's helped by Kristen Milani's like uh, expressive like facial response to like what a betrayal that is after everything. Like it feels like the gut punch of the movie, like even more than the twist that she slept with uh, Superman or whatever. Uh, Her sister's fiance, like that idea that like I kept that from you for this long does feel just like, oh, fuck. And and makes I think what happens next make a sense, even though they are the only two people for each other in a time loop.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You're you're absolutely you're absolutely right. And she just splits off and she's like, I'm getting out of here. And she goes and she does the research. But also, crucially, she um, finds space in her heart to sort of forgive him. Um mm-hmm. and to say like this is an impossible shitty situation and like I need to let go of of what you did um but like I can't be with you right now and I, I need to go do this and she basically yeah. commits herself to studying like quantum dynamics and like <laughs> yeah she basically is like I'm gonna go science my way out of this and she spends yeah. what could be fucking a hundred years g- going to and learning all this shit. Um, it's a montage,
1: right? So, it could be literally any amount of time. Well, it's actually – it's a secret montage because when Andy Samberg wakes up in the morning, she's not there. She leaves every morning because she's getting up like a half hour before him. So, he – the other thing that you're left with is like the emptiness of realizing like, well, Andy Samberg can never wake up in time to even talk to her. So, he really is like now – like, like he says that one point, I think I felt everything I'm ever going to feel in my life at this point. And and this person I made so mad uh, that they're not giving me the time of day, which, again, is is her. right. Like, there's never the again, very lonely island, very like that. that like, he is upset at himself. He he ne- there's not a point where he's like takes any of his anger out on her. Instead, he re- he just is sad. Like he he's recognizing the betrayal that he caused and it's having to live with the fact that the the one bright spot in this, you know, millennia or whatever eons or generations of like loneliness, he's he's ruined by lying.
0: Yes, yes, and he he's he's uh it's a typical rom-com thing in in a certain sense because it's the rom-com always ends like the second act is uh It ends with a big, you know, Nadir point, like a a betrayal um, and that they break I do think
1: it's crucial – a crucial turn that he never takes it out even like um, verbally like telling someone on her because that is such a common trope of rom-coms that you forget that like – even the shitty dude that lied, then he reacts with, like, well, maybe if she wasn't, like, you know, he excuses himself. He then goes and does a bunch of shitty things justified by the pain that they caught. Like, all that stuff is not present. He is just sad and recognizes it.
0: Yeah, yeah, and uh, sad, recognize sad, man. Uh, like, hey, that—that's that's an incredibly bad feeling, and, like, that's actually something that, like, I no. – That's how I usually react. Like I don't usually react in like terms of like lashing out in anger. I usually just like internalize and fester on the inside. Um, so like that was something that, but you don't know where she's gone either, right? Yeah, the, the movie happens. just the,
1: switches to Andy Samberg's perspective, yeah, or, uh, perspective
0: for quite some time, and then he reconnects with Roy. <laughs> he chases Roy down because yeah. he's like, I have <laughs> no one else in the in the world except for this man that horrifically tortured me, yeah. set me on fire, shot me with arrows, all that shit. And you find out, uh, you found out earlier in the movie that like he, the reason Roy keeps wanting to kill him is because Roy resents that he has to live in this time loop because Andy Samberg showed him the the gateway um, when they yeah. were both partying and got high together. And Roy uh, has gone through a transformation while he's been off screen. It's basically been like, he's like, I was in the ER and died in the gurney and when when you guys uh, hurt me last time with the car uh, and it was uh, horrific and I, you know, I, I had a lot of time to think and he like grew a sense. He's, he does kind of say like, I
1: didn't realize that it was causing pain, because <laughs> I am a, which is not a good excuse. But like from his perception, it was like, yeah, because he never did. Andy Samberg learned that early, right? Because he's like, I try to kill myself a bunch. You feel all of it. And so when... Uh, when Sarah goes through that, he, when she's about to drive into a semi, he like takes off a seatbelt, puts the set on the dash. He's like, you, you're going to feel every bit of it. So I'm trying to make this as quick as possible. And
0: he's not even like, you better and, put your head out the window. He's just like, you know what? Maybe you need to go through that pain to learn. Like,
1: <laughs> yeah. And so, and he does. And, and again, I think this is the crux of what, what makes the movie actually like not just work. Cause it would work anyways. Andy berg. Chris Milani, very charming, funny premise, good jokes, but like the the thing that makes this thing sing is the fact that Roy isn't a monster they have to overcome at the end, or like the thing that stops them from uh, uh, getting out of the time loop on time it's instead just an extremely damaged, hurt person who feels betrayed that he's never gonna uh, see his family like uh, evolve and grow up, and his kids grow up, and and has come to terms with, like, all the things he used to hate. Like, because when he first meets Andy Samberg, he fucking seems to hate being a father, hate being a husband. And now he's, like, reckoned with the fact that, like, like his line about, like, you know, this always was a really good day. And I never noticed it. Like, is, like, heartbreaking in a way that, like, most, most – Roy – I fucking hated when I saw him at first. I'm like, they're doing an arrow serial killer. Like, and then to make him like the crux of like recognizing, like you don't have that much time and to enjoy the time you have is like brilliant.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it's sort of forming a, like a triangle uh, of, um, of like philosophies, right? Like Niles is this like self-loathing sad boy who is like, Hey, I thought we said no more Fraser references. (laughs) Uh, Who is uh, essentially just grown to learn... Niles. Um, Who's essentially (laughs) grown to... uh, His philosophy has been, you know, nothing matters, but you need to find comforts in this cycle. You need to find comforts in in the, the, the nothingness here. And like the setting of Palm Springs is perfect because... Uh, it's, uh, Palm Springs is a location is a very still place. Uh, it's sunny all the fucking day long. Cause it's a, it's a desert. Um, it's basically just like, um, sitting by the pool. It's, it's like, a, it's a place of like stasis, right? Um, the, the desert doesn't move much. Um, so you're just kind of like surrounded by stillness and it like has a calming effect. Yes. But if it was a place you were stuck, it would have, Sort of a uh, a hellish quality, and what this uh, this conversation with Roy instills in um, instills in um, uh, Niles is that is that Niles basically has uh, he's like starting to feel pain again. Like he's Sarah has broken down his borders, and like he's he's starting to understand uh, that like life does have meaning if you if you choose to instill it with meaning. Um, yeah. and that this hell could be a heaven. This hell could be interpreted as, as a heaven. And he grows appreciation for the, for her. Yes. But also weirdly for the place, uh, and in, in, in a strange sense, cause, cause Roy says like, I'm happy now. Like I, I, yeah. I have my family. Like I wake up every day happy. Like, and you also don't know if like this would presumably fade for Roy at a, at a certain point. And we'll talk about the stinger in a little bit. Um, so, uh, he leaves Roy and Roy's like basically like I don't want to see you anymore man like I'm not going to come after you just like go live your life I'll live my life like we got this Mm -hmm. um but it inspires Niles to you know try and try and find her uh doesn't work um and Sarah finds him and they have a conversation where he does a big apology and there's a key moment in the apology that I fucking love where she says he's like I know what you're going to say he's spewing he's spewing he's spewing and um he says, and she says, "Thank you." takes a pause, and she says, "Are you done?" It's so good because it's essentially her saying, like, "I've already forgiven you, I've moved on from this moment, I've healed. Uh, I understand the, the the constraints of this place and the, the evil it can drag out of you, and like, I need growth."
1: This place... Can I say the other thing that is so important in that moment, to, at least from my perspective? Yeah. Uh, I guess we're just doing one of those things where we talk about big moments because we're so late. Yeah. Because we talked so much about how much we love uh, all these people early on, but that's fine. Uh, the most romantic comedies, and again, I've seen a lot of romantic comedies. Peter and I talked about, I think, both how that was a genre that has a element of comfort is one of the, the common... Things that happens is let's go back to the trope. The guy lies, the guy's shitty, the guy does make some makes one mistake, and then usually it's the it's the girl who then reacts to that understandably negatively. And sometimes that's seen as like a mixed bag, Like, yeah, but that guy really loved you, right? And so usually when the apology or that whatever contrition occurs it's mutual even when the situation itself is not like he, you know, the, the guy will say, I'm sorry I did this. And then the, the girl will say, you know, I should have just, you know, not reacted the way I did and did this kind of thing and stuff like that, where they apologize for things they shouldn't. And again, that's something that we talk about, uh, uh, all the time. Now, the way that like, uh, women in our society are trained to apologize for like, existing in the moment or somehow being responsible for a man's action or stuff like, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so this, this movie is so unique in that, like, there is not that like, Hey, it takes two to tango moment, which PS can be true in real life. But that axiom that it always takes two to tango, I think has broken way too many people's brains and has caused a lot of toxic behavior. So I fucking love that. He does this apology and she says, thank you like you know she doesn't say accept the apology she doesn't go look i shouldn't have left you here for x amount of time or i'm sorry i didn't explain it quicker or i overreacted or all these things you expect from these movies instead she acknowledges what he said she reacts the way that she's going to react and moves on with the next thing to talk about and i i don't think i've ever seen that in a romantic comedy ever
0: yeah, yeah, and I, I'm really—it's really like refreshing to have the power dynamics and the, um, the concept of the 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 woman character, um, be, um, developed and progressed to how. W- how women are in my actual life um whereas like it's not necessarily especially like with my wife like it's not necessarily yeah. about this big dramatic gesture sometimes she's just like I recognize that you're you're reaching out you're trying to reconnect you're expressing your 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 regret here and like we don't I can't give you like the big like you know, swap my my arms around you, and while well, the camera spins around us as we're crying and hugging, moment. But like,
1: I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry I'm, too. I'm either yeah.
0: o- I'm either over it or I'm getting over
1: it, and like, that's let's 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 keep moving. Um, I, yeah, I, got I, pre- your I appreciate point. your words. I'll 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 factor that into everything else that's occurred. Yeah, and I'm we'll on. We'll yeah. we'll note this in your annual review. Um, <laughs> actually, you know what? The only thing, and I feel like we talked about this on Color Out of Space, maybe. The only other movie I can think of that happening is Gross Point Blank.
0: Oh, that's kind of an interesting corollary to Groundhog Day too.
1: <laughs> yeah, why? Um, the small because, town because, that, because I because Mini Driver and Andy McDowell look somewhat similar hair wise. Yeah,
0: because they look similar hair wise. It's also about the small town. I think on the Groundhog Day episode, I referred hell. to Andy McDowell as
1: Mini Driver once. So. Yeah, <laughs> but no, it's true. Because remember when he apologizes, she's like, "Okay, but you can't come in." <laughs> uh, and I like I I really liked it about that movie that like Mini Driver at no point is like. Yeah, you know, see, I'm sorry that you left me at prom night. Um, I guess I should have been more like, but like she and, and that's her whole thing at the end, too, of that movie. Like um, that, like maybe everything broken doesn't mean need to be mended, but like you just need to accept the brokenness or whatever. And I haven't seen that movie in a while. I know that's not the quote. The quote is much better than that. But yeah, uh, that's the only other movie I can think of that doesn't do that.
0: Yeah. But I, I think that that's a movie that's similarly about, like, time looping back in itself and us you having to, like, go back and heal old things that you thought you had moved on from. And, like, that small town can be a heaven or a hell, depending on your perspective. Like, that's, that'd be a cool movie to revisit if we find a context for it in the show. Oh, we doubt, we got a
1: yeah. good gross play, But uh, really quickly, the other really important point, point in both those movies that I'm just realizing, too, is that uh, the character doesn't uh, – Not just doesn't apologize back, but doesn't make them feel better about it. Like, doesn't say it wasn't a big deal. Yeah. Her way of being – Her
0: way of of, uh, uh, um, reconnecting with him is is, uh, uh, more than sufficient, which is she offers him. uh, I'm 99% sure I found a pathway out of here. And – um, they basically she gives him an offer she says like let's get out of here but the thing is he because of his conversation with Roy he's actually grown to it's growth for him to Except like the loop it, it, it's growth for him in, in one sense but it's not enough growth he needs to make one last courageous charge it's growth for him to accept that life does have meaning and that even this life can have meaning uh, even in the repetition because you know uh, that's that's kind of the the point of the movie is that our lives 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 have lots of repetition, especially in the covid times where you kind of wake up, you do your job every day. Oh, shit. It's 11 o'clock. Time to walk the dog like that. That kind of those kind of loops happen all the time, even more so in covid where you're like not really allowed to have fun very often. Yeah,
1: I mean, uh, if I was to say time loop movies don't have an extra resonant with waking up and doing the same thing, I would be lying. Yeah, Which did yeah. not get in last February because last February we went out and did things like, and that's not saying
0: this movie was intended to be a COVID movie in any way, shape, or form. It was made and clearly sold not before COVID and then released over the summer as like a fun summer comedy. The key thing here is that he is he's going through growth, but like the last piece of of his growth is like it's not just about it's not just about him learning to uh you know accept that life has meaning it's that he needs to accept his his feelings about her and that like being willing to take a risk with the one thing that like has giving him any amount of comfort um because he does love her and he's willing to admit that and like he's willing to take a risk on her crazy plan that it seems crazy she's like i Blew up a goat in the cave, and now the goat's not there. And he's like, uh, understandably, like, uh uh yeah, that's you know, I guess that checks out. Anyways, like, maybe we stay here, and like, I want you to stay here. And she says no, and she basically like ab- abandons him. Like, she's like, yeah, she's like, I'm, I'm going, like,
1: because her growth is that she's she's ready to live life. Like, yeah. it, her growth, by the way, very importantly, has nothing to do with him. Her growth is realizing that, like she lived in a world where everyone else determined her worth her family and everything else and she felt she felt, in the same way she's trapped in the time loop, she felt trapped by the world's expectations. And now that she's, like, forgiven herself for her mistakes and wants to and and wants to be comfortable in her own skin outside of being trapped in either the box that she felt society and her family continue to put her in, which she spells out pretty explicitly at the beginning. It's great it loops around to that. Um, and now the box of the time loop has stuck her in that she's going with or without him because her her character arc exists without him.
0: I agree with you. I think that's a good way of putting it because it's it's essentially like... She is she is going off and choosing independence from the, the path and she wants to break independence from the path. And she's saying, I don't accept yep. this loop. And I think that life does have meaning. And like, while this mm-hmm. was comforting for me for a period of time being here with you, like and I do. I she eventually says, I love you. She's like, I do. I do enjoy being with you enough that I want to drag you out of here with me. Um,
1: Like. Yeah, but she she handles it in a way that most romantic comedies don't. I think have the like, I think romantic comedies are built on the idea that like two people are meant to be together and they just need to see it. And I think the other refreshing thing about this movie, as just as a romantic comedy, is that is that she realizes that she that she does love him and does care about him and does enjoy having time with him, but that life can have meaning without him. And, you know, and that's that is important, like in the sense of like romantic comedy tropes, like her success is not defined by whether she ends up with uh, with Niles or not. Um, it, It actually reminds me a lot of another Niles who they built an entire arc around whether he finds happiness with one person. And then once they got together, it almost ruined the show uh because that Niles and Daphne uh did not actually have much chemistry together. Uh, and their arcs were so dependent on the almostness of their relationship that there wasn't a happy ending with them together until the writers finally fucking figured out they need to figure out something. And uh in the last season. And here we have the same thing where like um her happy ending arc is a little bit better with him, but she would have still had it and been triumphant if he wouldn't have shown up at the cave in that moment.
0: Yeah. 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 And and I like, and also that's like a sign of a healthy relationship, right? Is, uh, Is like not being completely codependent and like being able to exist without one another. Like you can say like, I, I don't know what my life would be without you. Now that we've connected, like you can say stuff like that. Like it's obviously it's okay to, you should not be wholly independent of one another. Um, but
1: like she is, yeah. she is essentially saying. But I can recognize my life wouldn't be meaning like I. I would have had another path and hopefully found a way to be happy if this person didn't. Yeah, or never existed. It can
0: hurt life. to not have that person there. But she's like I. I need to do this for me. I need to. My life can't exist in here. I can't wake up and live in this sin every single morning. This like pain. And so she she goes to leave and she waits at the cave and then she's at the cave entrance kind of staring hesitantly at it. Uh, Andy Samberg uh, has a change of heart uh, once he realizes that like shit like i i can't be being in here has no joy without her and he uh he goes and chases and
1: the the that that uh the safety of permanence isn't isn't the same as like having some sort of zest and passion for life yes
0: and so he chases after her, he finds her he says i'll go through with you he gives her a long speech uh, and she says, like, yes. great, great, great writing too where he's like, she, she's like, you get one sentence. And yeah, and he's just using semicolons and ellipses and, and m dashes and shit to like make it into the, the most
1: run on sentence in the world. Uh, my favorite part of that, because we're never going to get back to it. And that's fine for this episode. But where he says uh, dot 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 and she says ellipses and he goes, OK, like an ellipses. And she's like, no say ellipses and he's like okay ellipses like don't like I'm like I'm gonna hold you to this one sentence and it's fine that you're making it the worst longest run on sentence in the world but don't not know what punctuation you're using to make the sentence long like it's it's just so perfect And it's, like, about, it's, it's their so relationship too it's so goddamn good she's ultimately
0: fucking yeah. with him like she's not like yeah. she's she's not ultimately the the one sentence thing is not like the the she's, her, she's not a grammar nazi it's not like ultimately yeah. the most important thing to her but she's like she's fucking with him because she's she's like the fact that you showed up like matters and so they go through the cave cloud busting well also but by yeah but like if you're on. committing
1: If you're committing to the bit, I'm going to make you commit to the bit, which I think is like, again, a microcosm of a healthy relationship. Like sometimes you make people do – like sometimes my wife, I'll be like, I'm going to go clean the garage and then I do a half-assed job of cleaning the garage because I decide halfway through I don't really care about cleaning the garage and there is like a little bit of like, no – I, I left for the day I took the kids to do X, like, finished cleaning the garage. And it's like, oh, yeah, like, I needed that motivation to do yeah, it. Some sort of accountability. It, yeah, but like, even if, like, if I never said anything about, like, she's not going to be mad at me. If I never said anything about cleaning the garage that day, it wasn't like some packed in blood. She didn't make me clean the garage, but I'm the one that said I was going to do it, and she's going to support me even when I'm ready to give up or do it half ass.
0: It's telling that they have that moment, and then they go in the cave. Yeah. Cloud Busting starts playing by Kate Bush, one of the greatest pop songs of all time.
1: At the perfect spot, by the way, yeah. in that
0: song. And she starts and then uh he's like she's like what are you gonna do when you first come out or whatever and he's like and then basically she makes a your mom choke, like she's gonna go have sex <laughs> with this mom um and uh it's excellent timing because like that's them being silly with each other again and it's sort of giving you a flash of like why they work um and also had a you good a flash call because when melodia. she
1: was asking about his sex life he said that he had sex with her dad.
0: Oh yes, it's it. a callback to that. I didn't. I didn't catch yeah. that um, because there's a moment in the moment movie where Andy sandberg has fucked kind of everybody that he possibly could, um, but, <laughs>
1: and he's like, "Oh, and your dad once." And then the movie cuts to a flashback of that, and he goes, "I'm just kidding." Yeah, he's he like, goes, "What are I had you doing?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and he did. He
0: did sleep with uh, some guys during that time period, and, and he said and it was great. Yeah, it, 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 it wasn't like a, it's not a, a gay moment where he's yeah, like, yeah. he's like. He's like, yeah, it was, it was kind of it was, it was an experience. I'm glad I did that.
1: Yeah, he's a, he's a sweet and tender man. I love him.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's, yeah. it's like, I'm glad I did that. Um, so, anyways, so... Um, they go through the cave. They blow up and it works. Uh, They are in still in Palm. The cuts to them still in Palm Springs. We're not totally sure if it worked at first. Uh, and then um, his, their sort of hideout house that, you know, has been abandoned um, by some like rich L.A. Cup or whatever. That's on a vacation. Their family comes back. I, th- I think it's the vacation house. I think the family's coming there for a vacation.
1: Yeah. Which either way, it's great because he's like, well, is the family gone? Well, I know they're not here today and, on November 10th. And then when the family shows up, when they're talking about stuff he's like oh i guess that answers that yeah and come back on nope and then the movie
0: fades away uh fades out because the movie is uh essentially like they're out of the loop they're still in palm springs it's not a hellish place to be but now that their life has has some meaning like they're like yeah we'll take we'll take our sweet time getting where we need to go um, which is kind of a... Sweet yeah, he's gonna go time pick time. up his dog. He's gonna go pick up his dog, and she's like, you have a dog, you never
1: mentioned it, and you're like, they might have spent a hundred years together, right? Like, they might have... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, well, and he probably, like, he, he doesn't quite remember the name of the dog at first, because, I mean, that's his whole thing, like, when they're telling stories before they have sex, he he legitimately doesn't remember a lot about his life before, which, kind of, you know, whether it's a hundred years or a thousand years, like, you know, that that understandably like his his time so it's funny that he remembers he has a dog to pick up um, did he just get
0: sick of the dog why did he not ever like take her to la did this movie just ha- maybe their their love affair was short a shorter loop and he like needed to occupy time with her the whole time because like he's like why didn't they ever uh swing through la to go to go meet his dog like you eventually
1: run out of shit to do right well but like f- figure like maybe he did do that in the first 50 years and now In the next couple hundred years, he just doesn't do that anymore because it's too painful or something. Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, It was just a funny question. It's just – it's funny at the end of the movie. because like, why would you mention you have a dog? Uh, Anyways, so – but there's a stinger in this movie.
1: Um, J.K. That's important. Like I said, my wife loved this movie too. The second Face of Black, she's like, what about Roy? They left Roy? And I like understood that because it's like, holy shit. Like they forgot about him.
0: Yeah, yeah, and uh, what I says going say um, the – with Roy essentially, uh, we, we see that uh, while they were um, – Kristen Malati, while Sarah was experiencing her last day, she called up Roy and basically told him like all this. Here's what you do. Here's what you do. And she – I don't know if she explained the quantum physics shit, but she's just like go in the cave, blow yourself up. And then Roy shows up at the wedding and he sees Niles – and uh niles is wearing a suit so this is like the original version of niles like him behaving yeah. like a behaving like a normal guy at the wedding um and he's like and, and he and he starts talking to him like very knowingly and niles is like do we know each other like basically like, who's this old weirdo um and uh he walks away and roy sees like oh shit it worked like you Yo, I'm stuck in the time loop. You are now just like uh you know, uh, you are an NPC. Um is there is there yeah. a better word for that? Um you're you're just yeah. a character in the time loop essentially. You will reset no matter what I do. Um you you are you you've escaped um yeah. and so like Roy basically is like, "Shit, I can get out," which implies what the movie doesn't really imply earlier is like Roy seems like he's going to be happy forever, but this is like Roy Basically, like, I think you know, some years have passed, some time has passed, and he's just like, actually, it seems like it's probably the next day. Uh, because he says, You're like, I he shows up, cause he's like, Your girlfriend called me, and he's like, What girlfriend? I don't know what you're talking about. Um, yeah, because in that time, that particular you, he's time like, Do you
1: think this will work? and he's like, What will work, man? and then he realizes that it did work, orders a drink from the bar, and has a huge J.K. Simmons smile which in most movies means something malicious but in this case it means he's going to get the dream of seeing his kids grow up
0: (laughs) yeah yeah and eventually he's like "I, i i need to i need to see my kids grow up like life has meaning like roy roy was a someone who was very unhappy with his marriage when the movie starts when we're introduced to him and he's like a bitter old asshole uh and then by the time we uh by the time we see the new Roy he's this like jubilant fun character uh, and it's like a nice way to end the movie where like these three people all either escape or get their promise of an escape and i want to just park right here and i have absolutely zero interest in uh, fan theories they're like what if they didn't get out like i don't, i don't i don't, don't want to
1: well but i so again maybe this is the science fiction nerd in me i do enjoy the mechanics of like, there's no answer in the movie, and I I think there's a very, very good just from a let's keep this neat, let's keep this clean, that when we see them the next day—by that I mean Niles and—I um, almost said Daphne, but Sarah—when um, we see Niles and Sarah— They're at the pool in their, like, outpost, right? Like, you don't see them around any of the other characters in the movie. And I think that's important because what this movie establishes is that, like, the time loop actually only existed for those characters. So I am, like, again, just from the uh, science fiction nerd in me, am interested in, even though the movie doesn't have answers, the concept of, okay, so they're out of the time loop. What versions... of everyone else, do they experience that next day? Is it the first versions of the time loop? Are they like, just are they kind of actually in a continual time loop that keeps going? Because, like, if Roy gets out the next day, does he show up on November 10th or whatever the day is? Um, and the. And and exist in the same world that they do because whenever you get out of the time loop, you enter time at that moment. Like, I do think that concept of how other people exist in a time loop. uh, The the NPCs, God, we gotta find another name. Uh, uh, Yeah. The uh, the the non time loop aware characters. uh, Like, what is their reality like post and during time loop? And I. Like I said, I, I think it's at least interesting in that no other time loop movie that I can think of really addresses that because they're all just people that basically have uh, a bunch of their existence wiped out. Uh, I like the idea that they're not actually that none of them are actually like the real versions of those people. But you could say that of Groundhog Day too. Like all those people in Groundhog Day that kept living the same day over, did they keep did they keep waking up in the time loop, or the next day did they? wake up and live their life and Phil kept being stuck in that existence. Like, the only one that I guess kind of addresses Edge of Tomorrow in that it's it's essentially reality um, resetting. Um, but, you know, most other movies don't actually address it. And this one specifically states that some people can still be time looped and others will not. So... But the, the I people think just that are
0: time looped don't have the 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 information like they don't they don't know that they're looped so like they don't they're not living but in like the that of version polished-
1: of Andy Samberg that he like the fact that he does run into fake Andy Samberg who's like first day Andy Samberg who never encountered the time loop does seem to indicate that there's that you can escape the time loop but other people experiencing the time loop will still encounter your first day version
0: or they're like weird like they're essentially like r- r- automatons right like they're 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 placed in the time loop
1: doesn't that posit that the first day people that weren't time looped moved on to November 10th immediately and everyone else stayed there um like I said I'm not saying this make this has the movie raises these questions. I find them interesting from a metaphysical and a philosoph uh, philosophical standpoint, even if it it like I'm I'm not sinning it. I'm not being I like, think the who no, lot no, does no, no, that no. Work? not work. Like I'm actually are. interested in the mechanics. I'm not saying you are. It's more so like
0: uh I, I like when I Googled this movie, I saw like ten articles that were like because of what Grandma says, they must still be in the time. Like, I'm like, please kill me. I, I, I don't know. Like, So there's like a straight line, and then there's a loop attached to it. Um, and I think that everybody was traveling along that. And then the cave moment happened where, presumably, let's say three characters entered the cave. Uh, and then they, by entering the cave, got stuck in the loop. Yeah. And then characters are able to, via the cave and the explosion, break back to the straight timeline but my thinking here is that nobody's actually really like stuck experiencing the timeline except for people that have gone in the cave so like the the idea is that like um
1: the but this part so then that you're literally time like things aren't resetting you're literally time traveling back consciously to that part of the day and so theoretically when you escape the loop you're just on you're just on the next day because in the same way that like if I could time travel I could go instantaneously from today to 10 years from now and if someone went from like 50 years ago to that same day 10 day, ten years in the future we would arrive instantaneously even if we came from different points yes except the only then question i have is like what version of everyone else is on the next day is it that first version because uh everyone else time looped or like that like again not question from a like show me movie but like just as a yeah concept and i mean it's also
0: like i'm choosing the one that's less existentially terrifying because it's a comedy um yeah and the version that I find less existentially terrifying is that uh, this is a, a aberration. There's one loop. And once the characters, uh, they enter the loop, they escape the loop. And um, anything that would have happened in that day could happen in that loop. but And maybe the loop expands or shrinks if you stay awake for 72 hours and do a bunch of math. Um, mm-hmm. But it always comes... Sorry, the top part of the loop might expand... Uh, or shrink, but the bottom part of the loop is always the same because it always returns to the same exact point, even if you make that circle a little bit bigger on the, you know, the top end. So it's kind of hard to explain without a visual, but like I don't see the my version of my head is just it's my version of my head is like far more forgiving. It doesn't create like a fucking existential nightmare, like a hellscape in my head
1: well I just find it interesting because it's the first time like, like you mentioned obviously in Edge of Tomorrow you have both Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt who've had a loop but they're not ever both experiencing the loop at the same time So it's true he
0: has to brief her every single day
1: yeah so that kind of concept of like essentially what ends up happening in these movies is the universe exists in, in one person right Yeah, like time resets with one person so the concept of of a loop that multiple people can be, can be stuck in. Although I guess there is a good Star Trek next generation episode that kind of, um, really gets into it where, um, they meet, they they basically get sucked into a loop with another ship and eventually find their way out. And they've been stuck in the loop for seven weeks, but this other ship has been stuck in it for 70 years. Like, from their perspective, this ship always came out because time, like, uh, it, it's kind of that idea of, like, the timeline actually can't be modified necessarily. So, like, from even though they had a collision with a ship that didn't, didn't enter the same time loop until 50 years in the future, it's a time loop. So the impact kept happening, except that from that ship's perspective, because it existed earlier, um, experience a, more loops because of that if that makes if that makes some sense mm. it's a really good next gen episode so uh, that we should definitely watch some time. and I swear to god this is um, has nothing to do with anything I didn't do this on purpose but do you know who the captain of that ship is in that Star Trek next generation episode uh Trillane <laughs> Kelsey Grammer Kelsey Grammer oh my god who you may know famously as brother to one Niles. Niles Crane's brother, Crane. Fraser. Crane. Crane. Honestly, based on the show Frazier, that's the ideal way for Fraser to be introduced to people from Niles' perspective. As Niles Crane's brother, Fraser. <laughs> because he's jealous of his older brother. Uh yeah, yeah. Um Peter, have you seen the show Frazier?
0: Frazier, yeah. It's about um Brendan Fraser, he's you know he's an Encino Man. The Mummy easily could have been bone. a
1: '90s sitcom that lasted for 13 episodes called Frasier, where Brendan Fraser plays a character named Brendan Fraser. <laughs> it's patronizing laughter, and I don't accept it. Um, I was
0: just you know thinking of the concept, just letting it really settle.
1: Polly Shore, do we know each other from somewhere? Look at camera, laugh. Encino Man. They were both an Encino Man.
0: If I were there, I could yeah, have told where, them that. Yeah,
1: but but. Uh, So I'm going to say two moments and we can end this maybe, or, and then you can say whatever moments. Uh, I think this movie has the greatest line delivery of what the fuck in human history, which is uh, uh, Christian Milani after Andy Samberg gets uh, shot with the arrow at the beginning, after you've just kind of seen this like slightly odd scene play out. And again, if you kind of recognize where what's going on, you're probably like Andy Samberg's in a time loop already. Uh, But, but regardless, the arrow comes out of nowhere for everyone, and Kristen Milani's, what the fuck is just like I'm not doing it justice. Oh, we were Surprised cackling, laughing, head. and this is a movie that
0: like I don't think is like laugh a minute necessarily. It's it's not pop star McGrew Yeah, it, like it's not
1: trying to be, but it's not.
0: I mean, it's it's uh, joyful a, a minute. Um, like I, yeah. something makes me smile every single minute. Um, but
1: rare it, movie that I wish was 30 minutes longer
0: man I, this movie could take another 15 minutes but I don't I don't know like it's also nice that this is a nice round like you know 90 minutes and like shit like I, I will because of that I will watch this movie a lot
1: yeah but I, I could also like if you said there's 20 more minutes of montage of their friendship I mean yeah I mean like I wouldn't I wouldn't complain um and also it probably might add to the
0: rewatchability right but I, I like I like when a, a comedy movie is like 90
1: minutes and we're fucking done and speaking of montage moments, one of the parts of this movie that I was laughing the hardest because um when they're just again fucking around with their reality as a way to like have fun or find fun in the time loop and is when <laughs> when Andy Sandberg walks up to the cake um and um discovers there's a there's an actual bomb in the cake which he uses a crossbow to both pull out and then shoot into the sky. Um, only to discover that uh, Sarah is actually the, an an evil uh, kind of Russian, but as Andy Samberg uh, correctly notes, from from an an unidentifiable accent from parts unknown, um, is actually not anyone's sister, but but trying to plant an evil bomb is so goddamn funny, but also has my favorite like Andy Samberg Andy Samberg moment where he's like uh pulls out the bomb and everyone's looking at him like what the fuck and, and he goes don't worry i used to be a bomb guy <laughs> which is like again explaining uh comedy lines as why they're so funny to you is uh, difficult but um oh, it's, the a, it's a confidence moment the confidence though when someone says a job that doesn't exist to calm people is very funny to me <laughs>
0: like Like, it's clearly and it's it's coming back to what i said at the beginning of this
1: like they're like there's a sense they're not looking for anyone to take it seriously and no one should except that why does it makes them laugh (laughs) that they get to
0: have this ridiculous moment like they've ruined this wedding in countless ways already like shit
1: like why not have one and because yeah and because they're not committing to the bit fully and are Commenting on the ridiculousness of the bit, it confuses everyone else that much more in this, like, uh, real wedding that they're trying to experience. That all of a sudden, their sister and their sis- one of their sister's boyfriends uh, starts using crossbows to blow bombs up in the sky. And the other one takes credit for it. It's, it's, the sister. it's so good. Uh, so. It, it, it is a movie that, like, the,
0: the zaniness, like... The zaniness is is uh, kind of consistent, but um, they're like true laugh out loud moments. Are like they're very ch- they're very well chosen. It's not supposed to be a yeah. movie that's trying to exhaust you with with lols like. And that's what no. that one's like they chose that moment to be like we're going to do something absolutely ridiculous, so you don't think like we haven't fully explored this concept, right? Like, yeah,
1: yeah. So uh, any other moments for you, Peter? Before we uh, head to the ending. Mm-mm, mm-mm.
0: I love the tattoo Which moment with the, the oh, where yeah. uh, she's getting uh, they're giving each other tattoos and uh, you think that it's a movie joke where he's giving her a tattoo of a dick and she doesn't know because it's on his her back and then the movie cuts back to it and she's like you got the jizz right <laughs> he's like yeah I got the jizz <laughs> like you realize they're coordinating on giving her a dick tattoo <laughs> like that is yeah. an amazing that's the sort of subversion that only like people that have been writing sketch comedy for 15 years can, can actually yeah. like come up with, because like, I think most people, especially in the course of a montage would just settle for like, uh, yeah, he's drawing a dick on her back and she doesn't know. And it, it wouldn't even be a chuckle. It'd just be like a, Ha-ha. like it'd be like a, but, but it'd be like a silly, God, little, I, it'd be I, a silly little I, moment. Yeah. But instead it's like,
1: it's, 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 it's a whole thing. But I hate to relate everything to this, but it's true. Like, Giving someone a dick on their back when they don't know they're getting a dick on their back is mean, right? Yeah, you're not mean,
0: but also, like there's no stakes, so it'd be it would at least sure, be but, like, but, but like, but like,
1: conceptually, he would be doing the mean thing, yeah. like, let's give each other cool tattoos, and ha ha, fuck you, I gave you a goofy tattoo. And you're right, there's no stakes, everyone would laugh, but the intention is a little bit mean, it's mean with no stakes, no long term problems it's not like I don't like things with an element of meanness sometimes, but like, it's just not their aesthetic. The funnier thing for them is that they are, as you said, collaborating. Like he's not being a dick to her. He's trying to live up to her expectations of the jizz.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it makes the joke so much funnier that she's in on it. Like that's such a great subversion. Um, It's like, it's a good comedy lesson that like, this isn't, this is so uh, kind of, if you don't mind me pointing to the final thought. Yeah. Um, this is Point this kind of similar to Brooklyn Nine-Nine in uh, sort of like Matt Groening or, you know, the, the, the cursed Bill Maher um, or, you know, Joe Rogan or whatever. Like these guys that talk about, you know, canceled comedy or uh, you can't say anything in comedy anymore. And, and like the, the, uh, I saw, a, I don't know, four years ago, Paul F. Tompkins had a really great thread basically rebuking that. And then like even Jerry Seinfeld. And Chris Rock had said similar comments about. They,
1: yeah, they they've all been like, it's like you can't say it. cancel culture. You say one wrong thing, yeah, everyone gets offended. Fucking babies. Um, they uh, especially Jerry Seinfeld
0: because he just doesn't want to change his bits. Um, comedians talk about like, oh, you can't do anything. You can't do anything. Uh, you know, uh, risque anymore. Paul F. Tompkins thing, and Paul of so. Tompkins had this thread where he's talking about, like, no, you just, uh you just refuse to write comedy for. A new new generation of people, and like a lot of the jokes you were making, were never okay. There was just more people willing to, uh, you know, accept it, and like you're the problem. It's not it's not the kids, right? You know, maybe the children are. <laughs> maybe yeah. maybe I'm wrong. No, it's the children that are wrong. Like that kind of you know Simpsons Simpsons meme. um But the this movie and Brooklyn Nine Nine posit like a lot of moments that are like. Dirty or raunchy or ridiculous or grody or violent moments that are um, super fucking funny are completely Mm -hmm. progressive and do not violate like it wouldn't make anybody mad. Um, (laughs) And like the dick on the back moment is great because like you're taking a moment that like wouldn't be funny if like he asked her to go through the pain of a tattoo and then all of a sudden like (laughs) he asked her to go through the pain of a tattoo and then he shows her like the that she drew a dick and she wasn't expecting a dick. Like, that would just be mean and kind of, like, you know, it it would violate the kind of terms of the movie and, like, it would kind of violate their relationship. Like, it wouldn't be funny. It would just be mean. Um, Instead, the dick moment highlights that, like, women can be in on the joke. Women don't have to be the butts of jokes. Minorities don't have to be the butts of jokes. Like, especially, I mean, speaking of the butts of jokes, there's a joke about sex in a butt, and that joke is not making fun of... Uh, not making fun of the gay character at all. It's actually like a very endearing, sweet moment where he's just like, he's essentially saying they don't they don't dwell on it too long, right? But he's essentially saying like, yeah, it was it was you know it was an interesting experience. I'm glad I did it or whatever. He's just like, yeah, he's good. Um, and like that is that's ultimately like what I like these this new generation of comedians because like they're actually thinking about like how how. It, they're using they're using sort of their progressive ideals uh to beg, to question known clichés and create better comedy out of it which is like seems super fucking obvious but like is for some reason not like st- a, a standardly known fact um that like Hey, did you know that violating people's expectations and, you know, if they're expecting something horrible to happen, something good actually happens like that can actually like make everyone happy and you didn't step on a key, you know, portion of your your audience. Like, did you know that? Yeah. Um, and that, that's what I love about the movie. and I, And I think that like that leads into my final point, which is like the movie is about how pain is part of growth. Um, And how this sort of like living in this painless, numb world that uh, he has built for himself uh, specifically keeps him from growing into who he needs to be. And uh, this sort of like painful growth is something that like I think everyone can recognize because like realizing that some part of you is broken and needs to be fixed or some part of you is just not it's not you're not as as good of a person as you should be. Like you are not, yeah. you're not living up to your potential. Um, and I'm not talking about, like, making as much money or whatever. I'm talking about, like, are you treating the people that are near you? And, if you know, you've built circles around and you interact with at work. like, Are you treating them with respect for their personhood? Like, are you being a good person? Are you considering people's perspectives? It'll make your life a fuck ton more rich and more beautiful. And it might be – but it might be painful growth because it might be you having to question, like, your basic assumptions about things. And, like, movies like this are um, really great because I think, like – I feel like I'm being my ideals are being reflected in it. And I get more attached to these movies and I get more attached to the people that make them. Um, Yeah. You don't make a movie that is just completely fucking alien to my belief system. I, I like some movies like that. I like watching Lars von Trier movies, and he has a uh, uh, fairly, let's say, fairly different beliefs than I do. Um,
1: I'd say at least uh, somewhat on the scale from fairly to somewhat.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like, it's a p- fairly extreme example. But, you know, Lars von Trier is – I don't have a – I don't have a whole lot in common with him and I like his movies but like Yeah, you're not a bad person.
1: Sometimes bad people make interesting movies. Yeah. It's true. It's true.
0: If you really want me to get attached to something, sometimes it's nice to see myself reflected in art. Like I and I don't always see myself reflected in, especially in comedy where like I I there's a lot of comedy that makes me laugh and then when it's over I'm like I don't I don't know who you are or why you made this, but you certainly know joke construction. <laughs>
1: yeah and that actually gets to something that, that you and I have been talking about a lot and like as we've talked about what comedies we would want to do on the show um, at some point and like you know Popstar and MacGruber and some of those have been no brainers like I think we've batted around an idea of like you know best comedies of the 2000s or like how do we pare down comedies so we don't do them that often on the show uh, not because um not because we we are like, uh, we can't can even talk about comedies anymore, man, because I cancel culture. But just be, because, as you can tell, us reciting lines we find funny uh, is not funny. And uh, you cannot help but, but seem like a little bit of a goober being like, and then when they say this, and then you say the line... Uh, so it's they're just hard to talk about, and humor sometimes is subjective, and what people find funny is we don't always do comedies but, for that kind of reason yeah it's 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 tough, but like one thing that also we've been talking about is like comedies that you know we we kind of want to talk about is like we like a lot of them despite themselves like it's 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 um it's dirty work is something that Peter and I have a have an affinity for as like a lot of people who really liked norm mcdonald's style of comedy on we update and felt like dirty work was the approximation of that in movie form and stuff like that and like man liking norm mcdonald in 2020 is really really tough not that he wasn't funny or didn't have good joke construction or didn't you know his kind of thing about comedy was like let's remove cleverness and just say the punchline which is also the same as the setup like the setup and the punchline are the same which is brilliant you know him and Jim Downey like really created something special in Dirty Work is a relative approximation of that um but again it comes at the expense of a lot of a lot of people and a lot of things that idea of like comedy as um take no prisoners and like a boxing match and stuff like that. And and like speaking truth to power when so much of that has been a defense for like uh, not speaking truth to power, but like beating the shit out of uh, uh, people who don't have a voice in the first place. And then, um, and then congratulating yourself for your progressiveness because you were willing to talk about an issue that's tough to talk about. Um, and, and that just makes a lot of comedy like, uh not just age like milk, but just like I don't like I, I'm not I'm not putting in those movies that often. They're not like they're not what a c what a comedy should be, which is an element of like comfortability. Like I like Halloween and all, but I don't throw Halloween when I want to feel good. Like you know, I get specific filmmaking and and horror and um acting like just shocks from those types of movies that, like, go, oh, I love this. I love what I'm seeing. I love the construction of this killer movie. But, like, comedies are supposed to be comfort food to some respect. And and it's hard to eat comfort food if there's a bunch of little pieces of shit in it. (laughs) And and romantic comedies are sometimes the worst versions of those because of all the things we talked about that this movie knows enough to... um, I don't want to say, like, they're even, like, upending the conventions of romantic comedies they're just not being shitty about the way that uh that hetero cis men react to hetero cis girls like you know they're just like treating them both like equal human beings and um and and that that looks different than most romantic comedies as a result and so like it's 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 why i just like I appreciate the fuck out of this movie, both on a comedic level, on a clever premise, on a, like, let's talk about the logistics of time loop that it makes me want to talk about, but also it's just, like, a level of cinematic comfort food that actually is, like, not what comfort food is. Comfort food, as described, is, like, you eat... Some cheesecake or a Denny's meal, and it tastes good, but you feel like shit after, as you said, Peter. And this isn't that. This is like, uh, what's something that's healthy for you but also tastes good? Bananas. (laughs) Because I've been in. Uh, They kind of trigger my gag reflex. I could have just said yes. I didn't need to be honest in that moment, I guess. Um, But yeah, like a banana. Oh, apples. There we go. I love apples. Uh, fruit in general I have lots of ideas I just
0: didn't want to get stepped on like you know just have my favorite fruits get you know trounced
1: (laughs) I used to love bananas and then I didn't have bananas for a long time then I tried to eat bananas and like I literally something about the texture um, makes me think I'm eating like throw up I don't know what's going on I can't eat bananas it's a weird thing that happened to me it could happen to you you're watching (laughs) Just screaming to my Kevin, our listeners' Kevin ears that they... they Kevin McCarthy, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. But yeah, like, again, I just I just appreciate the fact that, like, they've made the movies in this aesthetic and this, like, um, and again, I, I don't, I don't, I think the last thing I'll say is, like, I don't think they're trying to accomplish a statement. I just think they're generally decent or trying to be decent people and the characters that they write and the movies they want to produce and the like stuff they you know, to talk about like Akiva not wanting to be in the watch, like, or not realizing what a huge fucking mistake the watch was. is like recognizing in some ways that like they are also in a time loop, except that like, you know, life can be meaningless if you just start doing things because you exist in that world and not do stuff that you're passionate and you care about. And like, uh and they've accomplished that and um yeah. This this movie's fantastic as a result. And a movie we'll be talking about next month is fantastic as a result. Uh anyways, yeah, so we're 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 gonna move into I don't into non comedies for the rest of Time Loop month. And we're gonna do that starting next week with that we're doing source code. Yeah, we're doing source code and Gorge load. It's good.
0: Um I think. Yeah, I remember being good. Uh, and that is uh, that is uh, if you liked the sci-fi stuff in this movie, get ready for uh, a whole lot more exposition.
1: Yeah, that yeah, that time loop is different. And but it's, again, I like I like the way that a lot of these movies have played with that. Uh, and Then we're doing time cr- crimes with a noted fan of both of us, Ryan uh, Boland. I don't know what a weird way to do. he doesn't have anything else to promote. He always says so. I'm just gonna say he's a big fan of us and our show. And he's secretly in love with your wife. Is that true? I think for uh, for drama let's make it true okay. let's let's create weird plot lines on this <laughs> on this
0: uh, um, we already yeah we ran our course with the Marcus thing. We're gonna have to find something new. never never
1: never 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 Oh sorry uh,
0: uh, sorry uh, I forgot about the kayfabe. Uh, so yeah, you and Marcus sir you're so mad at each other. Uh, good night. Hey,
1: Aaron. Hey, wake up you forever.